0: And this is Monday, October the 23rd, 2023, and we're here for our Homestead 2 NASCAR race review and hot topic sound off discussion. So Sal Segala, our co-host, will be joining me shortly. In the meantime, we're going to start with the short track news. Afterward, we'll get into the ARCO West Series penultimate race at Madera Speedway this weekend, along with the review of the NASCAR Truck Series race at Homestead Miami Speedway. And our second half hour will continue Emmy, and uh, reviewed the NASCAR Xfinity as well as the NASCAR Cup Series races at the track. Uh, both exciting races. We end of course our episode with our hot topic sound off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew and Jay Husman along with Mike Orzell will be joining us for that conversation. All right, let's go ahead and get started with some short track news. Uh Uh, Just uh, looking at some of the top stories here. Uh, One of the big stories is that Hooters and Safe Locator are named co-presenting sponsors for the 56th Annual Snowball Derby that will be taking place out at Five Flag Speedway uh, this season. Uh, I'm looking for the date of that race. And um, it is going to be... Uh, the Snowball Derby is one of the most exciting races around the country right now. And, uh, people come in from everywhere around the country to be involved in the Snowball Derby. So, uh, again, that will happen again this year. And, uh, I'm super excited to see that, uh, they are going to be having that Snowball Derby again in December. Usually it's the first week in December, so uh, watch for the details. Uh, Actually, it says the 56th Annual Snowball Derby takes place at Five five Flag Speedway on November 30th to December the 3rd. So that's Thursday through Sunday. Uh, November 30 features practice for the Snowball Derby and the Alan Turner Snowflake 100 and feature racing for Five Flags, Pro Trucks, Pure Socks, and Sportsman. Friday the 1st is the pole night for the Snowball Derby as super late model teams will take the track battling for the top 30 starting spots in the field for the biggest race of the year. The Modifieds of Mayhem and the Crown Stocks are also scheduled to race on Friday. Saturday, of course, is the busiest day of the weekend at Five Like Speedway. Uh, that includes the Snowball Derby's Last Chance Qualifier and the Alan Turner Snowflake 100 and its own qualifying and LCQ and the Outlaw 50-lap feature. Saturday, December 2nd, will be action-packed from start to finish at Five Like Speedway. The weekend wraps up on Sunday, December the 3rd, with the Super Late Model Crown Jewel, the Snowball Derby. The green flag will drop at 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, for that special event. Uh, I know a lot of uh, drivers have been talking about uh, uh, being a part of it this year, and uh, it always makes me happy when I hear uh, drivers saying that they're going to be there. I know Derek Thorne. Uh, is the defending winner, so uh, he is coming back to defend that title, so that's going to be exciting to watch. All right, also announced today, Carson Hosevar is launching a late model program, and he's already tabbed his first driver. Uh, Third generation racer Chase Paisenal will join forces with NASCAR star Carson Hosevar under the newly minted Carson Hosovar Racing banner for the 24th season. Uh, this, of course, is a weekly pro late model division and touring uh, Ontario with the APC United Late Model Series. Uh, so this is going to be exciting to see uh, Chase Paisenault Uh, Joining forces with Carson Josevar for next season in that series. So uh, some good news in that regard. Uh, Also, uh, they are showing the Winchester 400 on air on MAV-TV tonight. Uh, For those of you who would like to see that race, There was action and conversation about that race, so you might want to check that out. Uh, But uh, know that our our show is also available via podcast as well. So anyway, let's go on to flow racing because uh, on Thursday, Jay and I will review all the races that are upcoming this weekend uh, in the short track and dirt track scene. But another big story that came out today is Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet and the High Limit Sprint Car Series has finalized the acquisition of the All-Star Circuit of Champions from Tony Stewart. So this is big news. Uh, A lot of people are talking about it. Everybody's got their opinion about it. Uh, But I think this is really big news. This is why Tony bought uh, Eldora Speedway, that's why he bought the All-Star Circuit of Champions. Uh, and so this is kind of the realization of a goal, I think, for Tony Stewart, uh, to, uh, have, uh, Brad Sweet and, and Kyle Larson now, uh, acquiring that All-Star Circuit of Champions. So we've got a lot to look forward to there, uh, in the upcoming year. And then speaking of the Winchester 400, uh, a lot of people were talking about uh, after that race, there was a big to-do between Stephen Nassi and Gio Ruggiero. Uh They were penalized by the ASA Cars Tour. And um, there's a nice article up from Matt Weaver over at Short Track Scene where he talks about Stephen Nassi and Gio Ruggiero from the Winchester 400, and it's time for them to do that. So if you want to read about that, that's over at Short Track Scene uh, for everybody to check that out. There's also a nice article over there uh, about mutual respect from the Cars late model stock tour, uh, stock tour. Two champions have a beer after a good battle, uh, and Stephen Nassie's name came up in this as well as Bobby McCarthy, Uh, And this was from Tri-County Speedway, and uh, they had some bumping and banging and good hard racing, uh, but all was good after the race uh, when the two had a beer together and uh, showed some good sportsmanship there. So... uh, there are those good stories out there With good hard uh, racing On the track without knocking each other Out and uh, this Is one of those stories and I always like Seeing that uh, Also Brendan Queen Perfect in the Cars return to Tri-County uh, That's available and oh Sal is here welcome to the show Sal
1: Oh Hi Sharon thank you
0: <laughs> Good uh, I don't know how much of you heard of uh, what I was talking about in the short track uh, news, but anything you want to talk about in that regard?
1: No, not really anything. I mean, just you know what's been going on, you know, with uh, with all this, with all the short track racing and stuff. You know, we just had our short track uh, um, championships last weekend at Kern, so.
0: Yep, oh, we, no, talked, we about talked about that,
1: that following the show. Yeah, that's right. We did. I'm yeah.
0: Sorry. No, other that's than that, okay. Not
1: really much. Yeah, not really much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just things that are going on back east, You know, with the because our our season's already finished over here on the West Coast, except for the ARCA of West series, one more race. But other than that, we got one more race this weekend at Orlando. They're going to have a five thousand dollar to win uh, pro late model race combined with oh, our
2: awesome.
1: night of haunted night of destruction so they're going to have a or tree for the kids and stuff like that should be pretty fun
0: oh very good i uh, i think that's uh going to be a lot of fun also the srl national will have their eighth annual bill big league senior memorial 128 that'll be on november 25th at freedom factory so that's uh something to look forward to next month uh but with Thank that uh, we will go ahead and move on to our Arca Menard series. Did you have something you wanted to say though
1: oh uh, no we, we got the um, all american four hundred that's coming up in a in a couple weeks too on the uh, yeah on the uh, uh fourth and fifth of uh November.
0: Yes. Yes. So uh a couple of really big races coming up here. Okay, we are gonna move on now to the Arca Menard Series West at Madera Speedway. That took place this past weekend and uh it was the fifty one fifty junior homecoming Arca one fifty presented by the West Coast Motorsports Hall of Fame. And uh, we've got some post-race notes here if you want to go ahead and get started with that, Sal.
1: Okay, uh, to start it off, we got uh, Caden Honeycutt scored his second career win in his third career Arco and Arts Series West start with the dominant victory in the 5150 Junior Homecoming uh, Arca 150 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame at Speedway. Honeycutt qualified second, got his jump. On first-time Journal, Tire Pole Award winner Eric Nassimethel had met every lap to take the checkered flag.
0: Yeah, it was another really dominant showing for Caden Honeycutt. Uh, Two races, two wins. (laughs) He's doing all right this season. Uh, Todd Sousa finished second, his third top-five finish of the season, and his best finish since he finished second at Portland International Raceway in June of last year.
1: Um, Trevor Huddleston was battling with Tyler Reif for the third and final lap when the two made contact entry in turn one. Reif slid up the track and Huddleston took the position. But when they went into the turn three, Reif returned the favor and made contact with Huddleston, who lost control and spun out. Reif crossed the line in third but was penalized for rough driving in the tail. Rough driving to the tail end of the deep lap. Huddleston finished tenth with Reif in eleventh, and actually Reif was deep disqualified that's why he was put back um
2: mm-hmm. so, that was,
1: so that was a penalty so we'll see if there's any any more penalties that are going to arise from it from that incident okay um, you know, tomorrow or, or wednesday
0: okay they'll they'll come out with it sometime early this week uh typically uh, Joey East finished third, his second top, top five finish in two starts this year. He finished fourth at All American Speedway, just this past September.
1: Um, Arclandard series. Oh no, I'm sorry. Bradley Erickson finished fourth, his first top five finish since he moved to the Joe to the Joe Farr owned number twenty three Toyota. It was his third top five finish of the 2023.
0: He's going to have a a top-ten finish. Okay. The Menard Series West Championship leader Sean Hingarani qualified sixth, but he dropped to the tail end of the field due to an unapproved adjustment after qualifying. Hingarani was able to work his way back through the field, but he was involved in a spin with Kyle Keller at lap 104, which dropped him a lap down to the leader. Hingarani then... Uh, got back to the lead lap at the next caution, and then moved quickly through the field to finish the race with a fifth place.
1: The last lap fireworks between Huddleston and Rice cost Huddleston at least six points in the arco Arts Series West Championship standings. He is now second, 31 points behind Ingarani, heading into the series finale at Phoenix Raceway on November 3rd.
0: Mark Massimento became the 202nd driver in West Series history to win a pole when he earned the General Tire Pole Award in qualifying. His 82.369 mile-per-hour lap also set the track record uh, that was better than the the 81.544 mile-per-hour mark by Mark Crow in 1996. Uh, Nathameno battled Honeycutt for the lead early before uh, fading to sixth place at the finish, his sixth consecutive top ten finish.
1: In Honeycutt's two victories, he led 298 of a possible 300 laps.
0: Kyle Keller finished seventh. That was his fourth top ten finish in the last five races.
1: Nick Joe Adity finished eighth, his fourth top ten finish and third eighth place finish in eight starts in the 2023
0: season. Ryan Philpott finished ninth, his first top ten finish since he finished sixth at Portland just last June.
1: There were seven cautions for a total of 39 laps. The average speed of the race was 53.726 miles per hour. Honeycutt's margin of victory was four point two four eight seconds. The second widest margin of victory in the West Series in two thousand twenty three behind Ryan Priest nine point six seven five second gap at Sonoma normal race line.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Uh so he's been I think we're gonna see him in an Arkham and Arts series car next season. Have you heard anything, Phil?
1: I haven't heard anything. If he does, he he won't be in the West. He'll, he'll race the East because that that's where honey comes from. So uh, he just he just took over the spot because the uh, the 17 car is in the battle right now for the for the owners championship. Right. So so Cook Brothers wanted to put somebody in the car, you know, to try to win that that championship. And actually, when we talked about earlier about um, Huddleston being uh you know, thirty one points behind Hingorani. Tyler Reif is three points behind Huddleston and if Reif wouldn't have wrecked Huddleston on that last lap, both he and, and and Huddleston would have been thirteen to fifteen points okay. behind Ingerrani and it shot at the championship. So basically that move by yeah. Reif was not the very smartest We're- move. Especially on the last lap, the last eye. corner. Oh, he 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 basically knocked himself out of out of championship contention. He has to hope that there's at least 35 cars in the field to get to win the championship. And he he just he's you know it goes back to uh, what Dan Fredericks and Dwayne Sharp, and um and Donnie Wilson talking about. You know these young kids, they just don't think. You know, they just go out mm-hmm. there and race. You know, and um, and Rife he never thought once. You know, looking at the big picture and just saying, "Hey, you know what? What happened to me in Huddleston? You know, a couple laps earlier. You know, I'll just let it go. You know what? I'll hand it on the track. When we get to Phoenix. Instead, he um, mm-hmm. figured it's easier to dump them. You know, thinking that he was going to be, you know, yeah, well, you had to know if you're going to dump them that you're going to go back to, You know, they're going to send you back for that aggressive. Yeah, for ag- aggressive driving, but um, yeah. so either way there, um, you know, that that's... that's uh, One thing that is multiple.
0: good, though, Sal, one thing that is good is it sounds like NASCAR is starting to address uh, that kind of driving on the track, at least to some degree. Uh, they addressed the restarts uh, in the Cup Series, they're addressing... Uh, this rough racing, we've seen it. Well, the ASA Stars Tour penalized a couple of drivers for rough racing, uh, and after the race uh, antics. So, um, I'm glad to see that they're starting to do in-race penalties. I think, I think it's been a long time coming, and I'm glad to see that they're finally doing it.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, it's just that. Uh... You know, like like Stephen Nastie and all the other drivers say. You know, the, what the ASA is doing, it's okay, but these fines are giving them. You know, they the, they can barely make the, enough money to go race. You know, and, yeah. and they're, you know, taking you know, these outrageous fines. You know, he says, he goes, man, he goes, you're, you're taking money away from a, a team. You know, it's trying to. You know, it's trying That's to compete. True, the I, I
0: understand it. where he's coming from. Yeah, because they're not the big NASCAR teams. Uh, those are those are huge finds when it comes to the 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 local teams that are racing. Um, okay, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the truck series. They raced out at Homestead Miami Speedway, the Baptist Health uh, Cancer Care Two Hundred. The race winner was Carson Osever, uh, age twenty, driving the number forty-two. Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Nice Motorsports with uh, Crew Chief Phil Phil Gould. It was his fourth victory in uh, Craftsman Truck Series races, his fourth victory in 13th toughest Season, and his first victory in first Top 10 finish in two races at Homestead, Miami. Ben Rhodes came in second, posting his third top 10 finish in seven races at Homestead and his 13th top 10 finish of the year. Corey Hyman, third, posted his second top 10 finish in two races at Homestead. Raja Carruth was eighth. He's the highest finishing rookie of the race. Carson Josebar, Grant Finger, Ben Rhodes all joined Corey Hyman in clinching spots in that championship four. And Chevrolet clinched the first championship in NASCAR ranks by earning the 2023 uh, Truck Series Manufacturer Championship. This marks the 11th time in Truck Series history that Chevrolet has captured that title. So, uh, big news in that regard. But going back to the race... Uh, for Carson Hosevar winning at Homestead Miami, uh, that race, of course, transferred him into that round of four for the championship race at Phoenix Raceway in a couple of weeks. Zane Smith finished in second, but he was disqualified, and uh, but I uh, know that well, we'll get to that later. But Zane Smith finished second, but failed to make the round of four. It wasn't enough, but he was later disqualified as well. Ben Rhodes uh, says third here, but he actually finished in second and grabbed the final playoff spot. He had that, an ill-handling truck throughout the race, but Crew Chief Lucius, Lucius made a call to pit road under caution, which was over 50 laps left. When the pit stops had cycled through under green, Road stayed on the track, and that gave him the position he needed to advance. Uh, Corey Heim was already locked into the final round after his win at Talladega. He won the opening two stages and ended up finishing in fourth place. Grant Ingfinger claimed that final playoff spot heading into Phoenix courtesy of his fifth place finish. Bailey, Curley, Bailey Curry was sixth, followed by Stuart Breason, Matt Crafton, Raja Carruth, and Ty Majesty to round out the top 10. There were eight lead changes among seven drivers and five cautions for 29 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 110.965 miles per hour. Uh, again, the number 38 truck was disqualified for violating the NASCAR rulebook number 14.47.1 windshield support. Um, so NASCAR is bringing the number 38 truck back to the R&D center, and we'll hear probably tomorrow or Wednesday if there are any subsequent um, rulings in that regard. Uh, but he was disqualified from that second-place finish. Your thoughts about the race results, so.
1: You know, it was actually it was a good race. Uh, um, uh, you know, congrats to Carson Hosovars. It was uh it was a it was a dominating win, and uh, you know, I thought for a while that maybe Ben Rhodes might might have had something for him, but
0: you know, yeah, DC, you see, know, he
1: didn't, and and uh, you know, you, you know, Corey High for the last event, you know, you know, kind of like he was gonna, like he, he was gonna still the show that. Also, oh, just this moved in the there and moved in. Yeah, he never moved out. Well, I would say mm-hmm. Huxvar's the cream. I wouldn't say he's the cream, but, I mean, he you know, he he, uh, he got out front and did what he had to. And at the same time, knocked out, um, oh, who was it that was on the, oh. Uh, Christian, well,
0: Christian Eckes had some issues. And he felt below the line. Nick Sanchez.
1: No, not Nick. Um, Nick, I thought Nick was going to make, that, that whole point scene just kept changing and changing and changing. It was crazy that it was just changing and changing, but uh, yeah. Zane Smith, yeah. I, I, th- I thought yeah. for a minute Zane Smith was going to win the race. You know, he was going to race, I thought he was going to race his way in. Yep. I mean, it didn't he, happen. He was Marco strong, he was ready strong all
0: up in eighteen 18- yeah, he was, but it turned out that he, he had a normal car.
1: Night. Yeah, well, that was after the fact that you know, you know what he went to check after he was done. But he he did have a fast truck.
0: He did indeed. All right. Um, so you had the four drivers who finished uh, one through four playoff drivers. Ty Majeski ended up with a ninth place finish. Uh, Nick Sanchez, 17th, Christian Eckes in 20th, and uh, Zane Smith ended up dead last uh, due to the disqualification. Uh, there was an electrical issue for Spencer Boyd that took him out of the race on lap 50. Also an electrical in- issue for Spencer Davis uh, that took him out of the race on lap 65. Everybody else was... Uh, Uh, able to be running at the end of this race there were 14 drivers finishing on the lead lap and the rest of the drivers uh, from 15th through 31st including the last place uh, were running at the end of the race but they were one or more laps down as a result Uh, so yeah, I thought it was a really good race. It was good to see Cuspen uh back in victory lane. And uh, you're right, we didn't know. Uh, even though the margin of victory was over two seconds, almost three seconds, um, there was still hope that maybe something would happen and uh, one of the other guys would win. But uh, we'll have to wait for Phoenix now. We know who the final four are. Do you want to cover the points? Yes, point? that's
1: true. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting once we get to Phoenix and see um and see who the final uh, who the final um is going to be our our new champion this year. So the points are um, yep. Corey Heim. He has a, he has a round win. Carson Osvar now has has a win, and then from there we go to Grant Enfinger, who's uh. Sitting at third, Ben Rhodes in fourth, and um, that's going to be our uh, our championship fourth for so, um, when we get to uh, when we get to uh, Phoenix, and then below that, then it goes Nick Sanchez, Chrisadecki, Ty Majeski, and Dane Smith. Gosh, Dane what, Smith really what? had a horrible. Dane Smith had a horrible. Uh, um chase this year.
0: Yeah, he really did. And and what I find so startling is it was so close at one point and now the points are just uh Ben Rhodes is 52 points to away from the leader. Uh Nick Sanchez also 52 points, but Ben Rhodes had the best performance throughout the round. Um but he's now 52 points back of that cut line. Uh uh, back, Christian Eckes 56 points back. Timejewski 60 points back, and Zane Smith 117 points
1: back. You know that really has to take a toll. I know it really has to take a toll on um, on on Zane Smith, on his dad Mike. You know to you know go to all all his races and see him race. You know especially being a past champion. You know, to see him not even make the top four, you know, it was just, you know, it was a, it was a real bummer. Yeah, it's
0: pretty
1: sad. Uh, He'll be racing with fire Carson,
0: though Osiphar.
1: next year, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah, it will be with Spire. I was kind of hoping to see Carson Osivar give, give him a break. And, uh, oh. you know, and, and not win the race, you know, and then Zane win it, you know, and Zane to get in and, you know, switch it up. But, you know, everybody wants that but trophy. They-
0: yeah, but think about it, Sal. If if he had won that race, if Zane had won that race, he still would have been disqualified, and Carson would have still gotten it.
1: Yeah, but who knows? You know, he got disqualified. Yeah, but you never know. NASCAR might have just turned the cheek. You know, hey, we got uh-huh. we got our last year's championship champion in the in the class. You know what? He has a infraction You know, we're just going to turn our cheek and not up nothing. You know, you never uh, know.
0: I don't think there. I
1: don't know. You never yeah. know we we'll have to You know, you just hope, never oh, know. I'm glad, I
0: mean, we, I'm glad we didn't have to uh cross that uh that uh, Exactly,
1: exactly. Because what happened with lied. Jeff Gordon that one year that Jeff Gordon got hurt. Yeah. And then um and then all of a sudden uh they made oh, you know, we're gonna add one extra driver into the chase, you know, we'll just because Jeff Gordon was the, was the man out. Oh, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're just going to yeah. have one more. You know, we'll just have Jeff Gordon, you know, even though he didn't make it.
0: Well, yeah, I'm glad we didn't have to have, to have that discussion. All right, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the uh, Xfinity Series. Uh, the Contender Boat 300 was raced at uh, uh, Homestead Miami Speedway the same day. It was a doubleheader day. Uh, And the race winner was Sam Mayer at the age of 20 in the number one Accelerate Pros Talent Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports and with Crew Chief Marty Lindley. It was uh, Mayer's fourth victory in 82 Xfinity Series races, his fourth victory in 18th top ten finish this season and his first victory and second top ten finish in two races at Homestead Miami. Riley Earpst has been having a great run, two seconds and a first in the last three races. Uh Riley finished second, posting his fourth top ten finish in five races at Homestead Miami. And his fifteenth top ten finish of the season John Hunter-Nivitek finished third, posting his third top ten finish in three races at Homestead. Sammy Smith finished ninth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And then we go to um, the actual race review. Sam Mayer claimed his first Xfinity Series Oval Race victory in the second half of the doubleheader at Homestead Miami on Saturday, holding off last week's race winner Riley Herbs by just point two two sevenths of a second in in a very close finish. Sam Mayer won the Contender votes three hundred uh, race at Homestead Miami in. Mayor uh, is the first driver to be locked into the championship battle at Phoenix for the Xfinity Series. Riley Herbst followed up his dominant Las Vegas performance with a runner-up finish at Homestead. Coming up just shy of the victory, then it was John Hunter Nemechek, who finished third while battling a cold. Uh, Austin Hill finished fourth, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. rounded out the top five in his second and final start of the season. Daniel Hemrick finished sixth. Then it was Parker Kligerman, Brandon Jones, Sammy Smith, Joe Graff Jr. And they round out the th- top ten. Cole Custer, uh, what a heartbreaker for him. He led a race oh by 140 a race-high 114 laps and won the opening stage, but had a flat tire late in the race and dropped to 13th in the finishing order. Derek Krause won his first career stage in Stage 2 and finished in the 11th place. Additional playoff drivers finishing outside the top 10 were Justin Algauer who finished in 15th. He had a loose wheel and was trapped off the lead lap. Uh, Sheldon Creed finished 26th. Chandler Smith finished 34th uh, with an expiring engine. There were 13... Six cautions for 33 yellow flag laps. Your thoughts about the top 10 finishers, <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: Yeah, Riley... I think one more lap, Riley would have had him.
0: I um, think you're he right. He would have had
1: that win. But... um. Man, I felt so bad for Cole when he hit the wall. Yeah. He goes, Man, he goes, The one time I hit the wall and it's the one time that I get a flat, you know, and he was just so dominant, you know, breaker. was gonna lock himself Yeah, lock himself into the into the uh into well, yeah. Miami not uh Phoenix.
0: Well he's got but, one uh, more chance to it do was, it at Martinsville.
1: Yeah, he's he does. I mean um it's it's gonna be exciting going to be an exciting race you know you, you just feel bad you know for somebody to have that kind of dominance and all of a sudden you know he decides he's going to go up on the wall like everybody else and um yep. you know final, you know if the wall for him is not the place to be because you know he cut that tire and got that flat uh yeah you know john hunter Nemechek Smith had a be, good uh, run. yeah so did uh john hunter Nemechek check Continues to be there. It looks like he's going to be one of the one of the favorites
0: mm-hmm.
1: to uh, to uh, win this championship. But um, you know, once again, you know, congratulations to Sam Mayer, you know, for getting that win. And um, uh, you know, um, who was it? Uh, oh, Carson was on. That said no burnout because if he gets he does a burnout, he he needs, he needs that truck for, He needs that in, the engine for Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Yeah, he goes. I can't do a burnout because I need it for uh, you know, for cause I need it for Phoenix." Yeah, but, he um, said he didn't yeah, want to mess so, up that truck. You know, we're, we're getting down to the end. Derek Kraus gets that that uh Derek Kraus gets that um uh, stage win. And, yeah, and falters and. You know, that's the last I of him. Um, finishing 11. Yeah, he finished 11. You know, um, it's funny because there are some jokes that were made on social media today, and, um, and Joe Graff Jr. was the front of most of them. Aw, oh, that's
0: a he shame.
1: finished the race. I know, because he finished the race and didn't wreck. So, mm. um, you know, congrats right, to I Joe, you know, on that fifth place. Yeah, he got himself a top 10, so... Um, that's big for
0: For for him and his team. It really is. It is. Yeah. He was driving that number nineteen for Joe Gibbs racing though, so he was in good equipment. Um now there were only twelve cars that finished on the lead lap in this race, Sal. Uh and then another let's see here, it looks like down to thirtieth place. Uh, though all those cars were running on the lead on um, Not the lead lap But they were running at the end of the race Although uh, From Position 13 on uh, They finished a lap or more down uh, Ryan Newman Was in this race He uh, was out though On lap 27 because of a rear gear issue uh, CJ McLaughlin he Had a carburetor issue That took him out of the race On lap 37 Dawson Cram was out on lap 65 uh, due to an accident. Brett Moffat had an accident that took him out on lap 97. Uh, Chandler Smith had that engine issue, taking him out on lap 138. Uh, Then it was Mason Maggio out on lap 153 because of an electrical issue. Josh Berry had an accident that took him out on lap 171. Hunter Mosack also had an electrical electrical issue and it took him out of the race on lap 190. So um really awful to see drivers have those kind of mechanical issues uh that in their day uh especially uh, you know drivers like uh, Cameron Smith uh who is a playoff driver he wanted to a much better finish than that. Same with Sheldon Creed. Sheldon continued to run, but he still finished in 26th place.
1: Yeah, well, that's like um, uh Hart Jr. felt bad because he knocked Josh Berry out of the race. You know. And, yes. You know he he you know he apologized for it after you know said you know sorry for knocking my you know my teammate out. His you know, driver. And, uh, his driver, you know. Well, teammate and driver, you know, but that was kind of a, that was kind of a, kind of ironic.
0: Kind of a shame, yeah. Um, yeah. Cole Custer, even though he had that problem, uh, got the flat tire, he was able to rally back to a 13th place finish. Um, but let's go over the points. I don't think that 13th place finish helped him, though. <laughs>
1: As far as the points right now heading to heading to uh into uh Martinsville it's um Sam Mayer is leading the the, the of course he's leading because 'cause he's got that win so he's already locked into the championship four. Um next is John Hunter Nemechek. Uh and then it's Cole Custer, Austin Hill and Justin Allgaier are all tied in points.
0: Yeah. That and then something? from there, then you
1: go down to Sam. Sammy Smith is in a is in a must win situation. Chandler Smith is in a must win situation, and so Sheldon Creed is in a must win situation going into next week's race at uh actually this weekend's race at uh, Martinsville. So you got you got five drivers who, are, well actually three drivers who are in must win situation, and then you got three drivers who are all tied, and basically if they yeah, tie them they're tight. gonna have to go to the- they're going to have to go to the tiebreaker to see who who advances um, into the uh,
0: championship
1: into the uh, into the championship four. Yes,
0: that's going to make this a very exciting race to watch at Martinsville this weekend because that is the elimination race. So, uh, so four drivers will not make it into that championship four that will be able to compete for the title at Phoenix. Uh, and the three drivers that are most vulnerable are those three that you just mentioned, Cole Custer, Austin Hill, and Justin Algauer. And those are all really good drivers.
1: Yes, they are. So it's going to be exciting to see how they, to see their strategy you know, to receive, because basically it's going to, well, it's going to go by, they're going to need those stage points they those going those stage yep. wins. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, you're going to see a couple of drivers, you know, they're going to take some chances, you know, and stay out, you know, to get that, you know, to grab those extra few points, you know, at the end of the stage. And then um, then for the rest of there, it's going to be on um, who's who's going to get the race win and uh, where they're going to finish from there.
0: Yeah, exactly right. It's going to be very, very exciting, and I can't wait to watch off. All- these guys race next weekend to find out who those final four drivers are going to be because uh, it's a tight battle when it comes to the Xfinity Series and like I say, all three of those drivers are capable of winning the championship uh, and now they're vulnerable to not even being in the final four. Two of them will make it. One of them won't. And that's what's going to be amazing. And you never know uh, what happens if um uh one of those guys that are below the cut line that are you know, a lot of points behind, if they win at Martinsville they're they're gonna leapfrog everybody.
1: Yes, they are. And and it's gonna be exciting. I I know that it's gonna be a good race, it's gonna be a good uh but like they say, not er- not everybody can win. So, um yes, the smartest yes, thing is is yes. that if, if you're if you're not if you're not going for the win, you know, go for the points.
0: Yeah, those points are super super important, for sure. Okay, we're going to move on to the Cup Series uh, real quick, Sal. Uh, guess who my race was for this week in the Cup Series?
1: Christopher Bell.
0: I said Christopher Bell was going to ring the bell this weekend at Homestead, Miami, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, in the 400- he rung the 400- bell. And, uh, and-
1: yeah, he rung the bell, and uh, um, Kyle Larson rung the, the trash can.
0: Well, he had his bell rung, that's for sure.
1: Or had his bell rung. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he hit it. His head was... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sure he felt that one. Okay, now the 4 400 was named by, uh, presented by Noble, Mobile One, was in honor of Kevin Harvick, who raced his last race at Homestead Miami Speedway. I thought that was really cool how they did that. Christopher Bell was the winner at age 28, driving the number 20, Reem Watts Toyota, uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing, Uh, They don't list his crew chief here, and I'm trying to think who his crew chief is. I'm not sure offhand. Um, It was his sixth victory in 132 Cup Series races, his 12th. uh his second victory in twelfth top ten finish of the year and his first victory and second top ten finish in four races at Homestead Miami. Ryan Blaney finished in second. Uh he was none too happy with Kevin Hart uh, Benny Hamlin. I saw a video and uh it was pretty interesting. Uh, Ryan Blaney uh, posted his second top-ten finish in nine races at Homestead, Miami, and his 12th top-ten finish of the season. Tyler Reddick finished third, posting his third top-ten finish in four races at, races at Homestead, Miami. And Ty Gibbs finished in seventh place. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And uh, we'll go to the race recap here. Christopher Bell... Uh, wins in Miami, and he's back in the championship four for the second consecutive season. In one of the most thrilling NASCAR Cup Series playoff races of the season, Joe Gibbs racing driver Christopher Bell rallied from a frustrating race start to lead the final 16 laps of Sunday Forever 400, presented by Mobile One, at Homestead Miami Speedway during his second straight appearance into the championship four. Bell, who only made his first appearance inside the top Five on the track with less than 50 laps remaining, got around a pair of the day's front runners in the final laps to blaze to the lead in the number 20 JDR Toyota and claim his automatic championship admission ticket. It is the 28-year-old Oklahoma native, Second win of the season, the sixth of his career, and the first of the season's eight playoff races to date. Uh, let's see. Ryan Blaney, again, finished in second, followed by Tyler Ruddick. Then it was William Byron, A.J. Armendinger, Bubba Wallace, Ty Gibbs, Joey Logano, Eric Amarola, and Austin Dillon. Bill never took the lead in the race until 37 laps remaining. He came back after a late caution to grab the lead again with 15 laps to go and pulled away to win by 1.6 seconds over Blaney. Uh, Several playoff drivers had trouble during the race. Kyle Larson led 96 laps on the day, but he hit that barrier trying to get into pit road with 54 laps remaining and could not continue to finish, uh, and he ended up in 34th place. Danny Hamlin got into the wall in turn two uh, with 32 laps left to race, uh, and after something broke in the steering wheel, he ended up finishing in 30th place. The pole winner, Martin Truex, Jr., had engine problems with 30 laps left. He fell out, finishing 29th. Uh, But the good news is stage one was won by Kyle Larson. Stage two was won by Ryan Blaney. And there were 25 lead changes among nine drivers and five cautions for 35 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 125.221 miles per hour. Uh, Your thoughts about the top ten finishers here?
1: Yeah, it was was a good race. I mean, it was... uh... Um, Ryan Blaney sure was not happy with, with uh Danny Hamlin, but you know, yes, we're starting to see Danny enough. Hamlin get you know, getting close to the final four and he starting to uh explode again. Self destruct. Self destruct yeah, in one more race time. and not make the not make the chase. I mean you know, uh
0: Well, he's in a must win. He has to win at, at Martinsville.
1: Oh yeah, he does. He's way way out way out of the points. You know, and then, you know, see Ryan Blaney and uh, Tyler Reddick, you know, up there battling William Byron, you know, I guess you could I'm say just the, glad the to young see guys. drivers
0: calling them out finally.
1: You know, the up-and-coming up and drivers, you know, are, you know, starting to make, you know, to make some noise. So um, Ty Gibbs, another top ten, finished seventh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, highest finishing rookie. And uh, Kevin Hart, the will see get out of the place. But like I said, out of um, – there's just a lot. Uh, Joy Logano, eighth. Eric Almirovo, ninth. And Austin Dillon, in the tenth spot. Um,
0: yeah. Pretty amazing.
1: Looking forward to Barnesville uh, so to see what the Final Four is going
0: to be. Yeah. We talked about the four playoff drivers. Uh, they had a good race. Uh, Christopher Busher finished in 21st place. Martin Truex, we mentioned that, 29th. Denny Hamlin right behind him in 30th. And then Kyle Larson in 34th place. Just a shame to see that happen. Um, Harrison Burton was out on lap uh, 165 due to overheating issue. Uh, Josh Belicki had an accident that took him out on lap 201. Uh, Several accidents here, Uh, Kyle Larson out on lap 214, J.J. Yaley and John Hunter Niemicek were out on lap 218, all because of accidents. Lap 221, it was Ross Chastain, due to an accident. Lap 236, Danny Hamlin, accident. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. had an engine failure that took him out on lap 237. And then um, the rest of these cars... From 28th up, finished running, uh, but uh, of those cars, uh, 23 of the cars finished on the lead lap. The rest were a lap or more down at the end of the race. Uh, but the margin of victory, 1.651 thousandths of a second. Uh, it was a good race, but, it, boy, did it shake up the uh,
1: points. Oh yeah, it, it sure did. I mean, it, it was a almost a photo finish. You know, it was so close. But you know, congrats to Christopher Bell. Congrats to Ryan Blaney. You know, if they're able to race each other clean. You know, and let their you know basically let their cars do talking.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like what you said about the Xfinity Series race. If you had had a another couple of laps, you might have won it.
2: You want
1: to cover the points? Yeah, let's get to the points. The points are, uh, let me see. I just had them. And they disappeared on me. Okay, here we go. Uh, points are Christopher Bell. Uh, he's got that win. He's locked in. Kyle Larson has his win. He's locked in. So now we're just looking for... Uh, William Byron, thirty points ahead of the cutoff line. Ryan Blaney is ten points up. And then from there then we go to Tyler Reddick. Danny Hamlin who's seventeen points back. Mark Truex Junior is seventeen points back. And Chris Busher is now in a must win situation if he if he thinks he's gonna contend for the uh, for the championship this season.
0: Yeah, technically, uh, Denny Hamlin, Martin, and Truex Jr. could get in on points, but that would mean that Ryan Blaney and William Byron would have to have a bad day, and it could happen. Uh, So we might see a shakeup after Martinsville as well. We'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. But wow, Uh, did you think the regular season champion would be in this position?
1: They I just fell I, apart I in the
0: playoffs.
1: I didn't think we'd see the top four where we're at, where we're at right now with this top four. Um, I I kind of expected Danny Hamlin to be in the top four, but I never I never gave him the chance to win it. But um, mm-hmm. you know, he's just you know, there comes a time. I mean. <clears throat> For a second, let's just go back to what Kevin Harvick had Kate, Kevin Harvick racing. He had the Xfinity, the Truck Series team. You know, Kevin said it the best. You know, he stepped back and sold him. He goes, you know what? He goes, I I cannot race Cup, stay focused on my Cup team, plus what I got going on with my, you know, my other two teams. Now imagine Hamlin is trying to jostle a a Cup team, which is a lot more. You know, it takes a lot more than handling an Xfinity or truck team because they don't race every week like the like the Cup team does. So I mm-hmm. think there comes a the time when he needs to he needs to step back and say, Hey, you don't want to be either going to be a team owner, or I'm going to be a driver, um, because the way it's going, he's going to go down as another driver that never won a championship.
0: Yep. We're not saying he's not talented. Denny Hamlin is talented. There's just something
1: uh,
0: about him, though, that he continues to shoot himself in the foot year after year after year. Um, And it's sad to see, quite honestly, Uh, but like I say, I do think, I think Denny Hamlin's a talented driver, uh, but he he, um, has kind of said and done some things to several other drivers, uh, that they're finally starting to call him out. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, think that movie to happen too.
1: It was like Mark Martin. I mean Mark Martin was a heck of a driver, just could never win a a cup series championship, yeah. you know. Um you know, another one was uh gosh, I just I was just was thinking of one right now too, besides Oh, I was thinking of Bobby Labonte. Bobby Labonte won a lot of races, was a really damn good racer, only won one championship. You know, and, yep. you know, and he was a good, you know, darn good racer. But, you know, you look at Mark Martin, you know, who was, you know, well, Kyle Bush took that over. But, I mean, for a while, Mark Martin had the most wins, you know, nationwide series wins. You know, Kyle Bush took that over. But, I mean, Mark Martin a lot of wins and just could never could never seal you know, a uh Jr. another one. Del Jr. Yeah. Could never get a Cup Series championship, you know, you know, and uh, everybody thought, I mean, you know, he, he would have a few good you know? drivers. Yeah, and everybody thought Junior would have gotten at least two or three of them and, you know, and Hamlin's just going to be one of those drivers, you know, what, that's going to
2: mm-hmm.
1: he might <clears throat> he might even have the credentials to be a uh, Hall of Fame material.
0: He might get that. Well now one of the things that uh, I thought I think has been interesting about this year's uh uh playoff races is two <laughs> races as well, is that you've got Martin Trex Junior with thirty six playoff points, Denny Hamlin with thirty two playoff points. And look where they are right now. They're below the line. Those playoff yeah. points are saving them at this stage of the game. Without those playoff points, they would be even further back. Um, so I, I hate to think about where they'd be without those playoff points. Um, sure. But playoff points have played a critical role.
1: Oh yeah, they have. They, you know, and and uh, you know, and and but we've talked about in the past. You know that, you know, drivers with the most points, they usually it's 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 it, 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 they it's usually automatic that they're going to go to they're going to go into the final you know race you know, you know at yep. Phoenix, and it it just didn't work out that way.
0: It might not happen out that way this year. William Byron has the most, and he's the points leader. He has forty one. Martin Truex has 36 playoff points and Denny Hamlin has 32. Uh, if you took those playoff points off of their score, uh, keep in mind that Truex's 36 points includes his 15 bonus points for being the regular season champion. Um, if you took those points out of the equation, they would be even further back. It, it's uh, oh, yeah. pretty amazing.
1: You know, and like I said, you know, we're going to see, uh, you know, probably William Byron, you know what, he's, you know, a good finish, a good top five finish, and Byron's in,
2: mm-hmm. you know, because
1: he's, he's he's 30 to the good on, on all the drivers except for Brian Blaney, he's 20 to the good on Blaney, but as long as he finishes ahead of Blaney, you know, he's in.
0: Laney's been awful good the last few races. I think they're going to have their hands full. Uh, but Martinsville yeah. is one of those tracks that a lot of things can happen. Some drivers love it. Some drivers hate it. And uh, the cream is going to definitely separate uh, when we get to Martinsville. And But it's also one of those tracks that something can happen that can take you out of the race, and it has nothing to do with anything you did. Uh, you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, so we'll see what happens. I, one thing we do know, Sal, we're not going to see the Watermelon Man ride the wall this year.
1: Nope, we're going to see him do anything. He may he, he could win the race, but there ain't going to be no crazy antics. And um, Bubba's out too. Nope. So, you know if you, if you notice, we haven't you haven't heard anything about Bubba since he's been out. Um, yeah. He got quiet. You know, they shut him He's
0: up. In real quiet.
1: And if and if Hamlin don't make the chase, Hamlin will be shut up. He'll be quieted too. So we won't have to hear him.
0: Well, 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 We've got a lot to look forward to next week. Are you going to be at the racetrack, Sal?
1: Yeah, I'll be at Irondale for it. We have a we have a short track. This is our last big race. It's a five thousand to one okay. model race they team with nice. teaming uh with the um, – just put it together with the um uh, body uh, destruction. So it's going to be exciting.
0: Okay. Well, we always like having you on the show, Sal. I hope uh, you enjoy your weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you again coming up next Monday night after Martin Martinsville.
1: All right, everybody. Have a good evening, and we'll talk to you later. Good night, everyone.
0: Good night, so. All right. Uh, it is time for our NASCAR hot topic sound off discussion with our fan racing crew and we have Jay Husman and Mike Orzell here. Welcome to the show, Jay.
3: Well, thank you, Sharon. I'm gonna try and weather through this. I think the weather this weekend got me a bit so I starting to have a cold but uh I know we're early tonight and should have a rather short show but Happy to be on anyway.
0: Okay. And Mike Orzel, welcome to the show. Hey, good evening. Glad to be back. All right. Uh, Jay, why don't you give us our first hot topic tonight?
3: All right. I know we kind of touched upon this one uh, a little bit, Sharon, because that's what I I was surprised to see it up. I know we had it on the list uh, last week. Must have been Thursday. But the Cars Tour issued some penalties from the Winchester late model race with Stephen Nassi and Gio, I'm not going to pronounce that right right now. Gio
0: Ruggiero. Gio Ruggiero.
3: there we go. Thank you, Sharon.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I'm surprised we didn't talk about that. Uh, Mike, are you familiar with this?
2: I didn't watch the race or anything like that. I am familiar with the incident. Um, so okay. So I guess we just didn't get to it on Thursday, but yeah, I can talk about it a little bit.
0: Okay, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what precipitated it, but no matter what happened on the racetrack, there is absolutely no circumstance in any way, shape, or form that justifies basically intentionally spinning the back end of your car into a crew member and hitting him, which is exactly what happened there. (coughs) And to be honest with you, any penalty that involves – this was Ruggiero, I believe, who was was the one who hit the crew member – um and correct me if i'm wrong that was but I, I, let yeah.
0: me let me kind of clarify here that was actually stephen nasi's dad that he hit and his mother was also running toward the track and um uh they've they've said that they that was a dumb move on their part too running up on the track like that when he's getting ready to do a spin out
2: uh, but I mean, either way, it was it was a it was a confrontation. It, you knew something ha- was happening right there because you had the the driver who won the race, and then the guy who felt he was wrong coming up there to uh, show him the social finger or whatever it is he's going to do. And yeah, you're right; it's dumb to get involved in that, but that still is not excuse uh, the, a driver in a thirty four hundred pound race car from intentionally spinning that car and hitting somebody. This wasn't somebody getting caught up in a celebratory burnout. This was a driver who was angry and was retaliating against the the, the winner of the race, who he felt had wronged him, and he happened to hit somebody on the racetrack. And in my opinion, any penalty that involves that, that person having an opportunity to get back in a race car anytime soon didn't go far enough, and that's kind of my take on that.
0: Okay. Yeah, i you know, there were penalties that were issued to both teams, and I think that was the right call, uh, because it, the, what we saw of the incident, uh, after the race with the burnout and Stephen Nassie's dad getting hit by the, the car, uh, driven by Gio Ruggiero, um, and that's when Stephen Nassie got out of his car and ran toward, uh, his dad who had just been hit, um, And his he saw his mom running toward (laughs) running that direction as well. So he jumped out of his car. Um, And honestly, I can't tell you if Gio Ruggiero knew that his dad was running toward them or not. But um, the there was an incident before the burnout where the two were were kind of uh, having were at odds with one another. But there was also some hard racing on the track. Uh, that kind of crossed the line as well. And so the AFA Stars Tour did issue penalties uh, for both teams. Uh, Stephen Nassie got hit with the hardest on those penalties, which I thought was kind of surprising, given that Gio Ruggiero was the one that hit the, the Stephen Nassie's dad uh, with the burnout. I kind of thought he would get hit heavier, uh, but I will say they both deserved penalties, I think, in this case. Uh, they were both uh, racing uh, overly, over the line hard on the track uh, and and bumping and hitting each other, and uh, uh, they both uh, took their penalty. The one good thing is that they're moving on from it. They've decided that it's not in their best interest to kind of keep this feud going, and they're moving on to the next race and kind of putting all of this behind them. And for that, I think it's really good. Uh, but I can't blame Stephen Nassi for for being concerned for his dad and his mom in that situation either, uh, being hit uh, by that car. And you're right. It, it, it was horrible. And if he had any idea that anybody was on that track, he had no business doing that burnout uh but it just makes me wonder if he knew that they were there or not and that's what i that's what we really don't know um so jay tell me what your thoughts are and then i'll tell you more on the go around
3: all right and i recall this now was um i think we were waiting for andy um to come on on thursday we kind of uh prefaced this as one we might get to is where we talked about it just a little bit and, and I stand by mine, I say this is one of the five most egregious acts I have seen when it comes to post-race activities. Uh, there obviously was, was confrontation, and it says that Nassie had done, pulled up next to his car, gave him the door, slammed gave him the finger. That was his part of expressing his frustration. The retaliation builds as they have words or whatever. But you know there is a crowd of people because it was at the tail end of pit road to burn out like that while you're in that environment um, to act out like that in that way, in that environment, because you don't know who's around or how it can be affected. You know, that's, uh, I'm not even going to say it. It's just really, really bad. And I agree yeah. uh, with Mike and and Sharon, you said it too, that on that end for Gio, I think the penalty should have been even more. Now Stephen Nassie actually feels that the fine they got based on the fact that it is a regional short track racing, the fine was a little hefty um, yeah. for the amount of money they make. They said they provided great short track racing on the track um, for the fans to get their money's worth. He wasn't happy with, with the fine and his portion of it. I, it's one of those, I mean, if you, if you initiate it, you know, you were expressed your frustration, I get it, but then they're going to express their frustration in return, you got to be willing to be a part of it when it comes to the penalties. You know, if you were involved in the post-race altercation, you had a role. Um, so I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I understand what he's saying maybe of that, as he compared, it's not the NASCAR level, they don't make millions of dollars, you know, this fine actually hurts them. Well, it needs to. And maybe that's where they feel this was enough because the fine is a great a great amount compared to what they make a weekly racing. But I still think that in this case, whether it be at least one week, there should have been a driver suspension on Geo side.
2: Yeah. Mike? Well, I pretty much said my take on that. I really, <clears throat> I really don't have a whole lot more to add, so uh, I'll uh, I'll pass to, Shea, uh, to you, Sharon.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think this is one of those cases. you got Stephen Nassi, who's been in racing for quite a while now, and uh, although he's young, he can be considered a veteran. Gio Ruggiero is one of those drivers that's uh, coming up through the ranks. He's kind of more of a newer driver. And I think this is one of those classic things between a veteran driver and a newer driver. And a lot of these newer drivers, we've talked about this, uh, don't, uh, they do whatever they need to do at the end of the race, even if they have to knock the leader out of the way to get that win. And that's what happened in this case. Gio Ruggiero, uh Steven Massey was leading. Gio Ruggiero knocked him out of the race uh, and ended up winning. Um, and uh, Stephen Nassi is the kind of guy, he knows what kind of effort goes into these cars. Gio Ruggiero should know that too, but again, it's that younger attitude uh, that these guys don't look at the bigger picture of I had to do it if I was going to win is knock them out of the race, and you guys know how I feel about winning in that way. I've never been a proponent of knocking your competitor out of the way in order to win a race. I want to see your talent on the racetrack, and we had a good example of that uh, in the Tri-County race that took place this week, and these guys ended up at the end of the race having a beer together. Uh, they were they were bumping and banging all the way across the finish line, uh, but at the end of the day, they went and shook each other's hands and had a beer afterwards. Uh, that's not what happened in this case, and it's because one guy got knocked out of the race. Um, And and that's where these younger guys don't seem um, to understand that it reflects very poorly on them when they win a race in that race. Uh, They're not showing their talent. Uh, they're they're just being a bully about it and going out there. They're not showing respect for their fellow competitor. And that's what we saw at Tri-County. It was a lot of respect for each other, uh, even though they were bumping and banging, they weren't doing it to knock each other out of the way. Um, and Gio Ruggiero, uh, I think it just shows his youth. It shows his uh, lack of maturity. And uh, I wholeheartedly feel like maybe he should have been uh, fined a little bit more. And I agree with you, Jay. I think that the, I know Stephen Nassie said, we're not NASCAR drivers. We're out here making a living out of, uh, you know, doing these races, and we can't afford fines like that. Uh, But I think NASCAR, not NASCAR, but ASA is making it a point saying the reason these fines are so high is because we don't want to see you doing this again. So uh, I think the message has been given. These guys are moving on from it. Uh, I hope it was a learning opportunity for Gio Ruggiero because I don't agree with the way he ended that race and the way that he won that race. Uh, If I was the uh, the governing uh, officiating or whatever, uh, I probably would have just qualified him. So uh, I'm just glad that uh, we can all put it in the rearview mirror. But there's a good article over on Short Track Scene, if you haven't read it. Stephen Nassie was one of the drivers, and uh, McCarty, uh, I forget the first name, but McCarty was the other driver, and they shook hands. Uh, bumping and banging all the way to the finish line. After the race, they shook hands and had a beer together, and there was a lot of respect there. And that's the way I like to see races in. Jay?
3: <clears throat> yeah, like I said, I mean, the, the the money is definitely hefty for them at that level when you look at it, but uh, I think a str- an even stronger message needed to be sent. Um, that hey, this will not be tolerated, period. Especially the post race activity in an area such as pit road where there are others involved. So, and I know Stephen nassie actually his crew is the one that took the bigger hit as far as the fine and then the suspensions because some mm-hmm. of those suspensions carry into uh, into next season. I believe they got one or two races left this year and then three into next year. Um, when it comes to the whole crew involvement, and we've seen that be enforced at all levels of racing. I know we talk about it at the top level at NASCAR, but they need to learn this at this younger stage. As you said, uh, some of these drivers are developing coming up with this, this attitude or um, the way they act. And if it's not going to be allowed at the top level, they need to correct that problem when they're young and moving up through the different systems, uh, whether it's a direct system to NASCAR or not, it still needs to fall in line with, hey, as you move up, this isn't going to be acceptable, so don't do it now and get in that, as you say, Sharon, bad habit um, of doing it more than, more than three times. Don't develop that habit because it's not going to be tolerated.
0: Yes, and I think it's a good message to send. All right, Mike, what's our next topic?
2: Well, we've only got one race left before the cutoff for the four, final four championship race. What are our opinions on the – well, really, there's six drivers left vying for two positions because we know that Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson have already advanced to the championship four. What, uh, what's everyone's opinion on where we're standing right now? Who's going to get those last two slots? Who's going to be out on the outside looking in?
0: Okay, you're talking about the Cup Series, right? That's correct. Okay. Uh, Jay, uh, Yeah, Jay. what are your thoughts?
2: I've
3: never been more confident in my life, and I'm going to say this right here, right now, on Fan for Racing, Blog Talk Radio. Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, and two other drivers are going to race for the championship. Because <laughs> it's a big unknown. <laughs> There's a pretty solid branch I'm standing on there when you go out on the tree limb. But, no, I mean, <laughs> no we think about Martinsville. Yeah, you like that? Um, <laughs> think about Martinsville. Denny Hamlin and Martin Truix had rough days. Both of those, statistically-wise, very good at Martinsville. So those could be one of your two as far as winning you're in. I know there's a little bit of point situation when we talk about that. Somebody's going to get in on points. I believe William Byron is still in a fairly secure position. And guess what? He drives for Hendrick Motorsports. I know there, again, it hasn't been his best track statistically, but HMS as a whole, that organization, puts drivers in cars that are capable of winning. And then I know the move itself is illegal, but we could see something like the hail mail-in from last year of one driver just makes up a lot um, in that final go time. Uh, You know, obviously you can't do it in the manner in which Ross Chastain did. Um, as that's been deemed illegal, but you never know what kind of move can be made. I I think about it. We've seen it. uh, I'm thinking back to Ryan Newman was, and Clint Boyer was one of them. When it comes to Martinsville, dive bombing that first corner and taking out the first three to six rows, you could be starting in the 12th and 13th position and come out of a corner with the lead. So it's going to be interesting. And yeah, at this point, I, I do think, like I said, of being that one driver is going to get on point in on points. I do believe that's going to be William Byron. So I'll go out on a little bit skinnier limb there um, and say that William Byron is going to join them, whether that's via win or not, could uh, could be either way. Um, so that leaves, it to, in my mind, one spot open, and, and it is wide open, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that. The points, actually, mathematically, these guys could still get in on points. Uh, if William Byron or Ryan Blaney had a bad day, that puts, uh, you know, these other three drivers, well, not all three of them, but at least two of the three, right back into it based on how they run at Martinsville. We know that, as you said, Denny Hamlin Martin and Martin Truex typically race very well at Martinsville. So does Tyler Reddick uh Chris Busher's in a must win situation. He's the he's the most uh, vulnerable. He he can't just have a good day. He's got to have a win in order to get in. Um, uh and then it could knock out William Byron or Ryan Blaney. Uh if that were to happen, if they if they happen to have bad days. But you're right about William Byron. Hendrick Motorsports is very 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 good. At martinsville, uh, and that's gone on for many, many years. So we'll see uh if William Byron can make it happen. Uh, he is in the best position of the six drivers, but he is still only thirty points to the good. Um, he's only thirty points above uh with a total of forty three points available or is it forty is it forty three points or at least forty points available? There's still a chance that he could get knocked out if the uh, if if some if say Busher wins or uh, Blaney has a bad day, um, or if he has. It's a,
3: bad a, it's day. a total of sixty. But, it's a total of sixty, Sharon. Uh, Ten for each of the stages, and then forty at the end of the oh, race. So right. it's actually a total of sixty available.
0: You're right. You're right. I forgot about the stage points. So, so yeah. So it's still not a safe place for William Byron. But you're right about uh, Hendrick Motorsports always bringing a good car uh, for their drivers, and especially a driver that's in the playoffs. Uh, I think it's wide open. Um, I think Chris Buescher is certainly capable of getting the win. Whether or not he will is yet to be seen. Um, But I think Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr., uh, are all good racers at, at Martinsville. And um, I don't think anybody's safe in that <laughs> I think it's going to be um, uh, a free – I don't want to say free-for-all because I, I think that everybody is going to be very competitive in that race. Let me put it that way. What is your thought?
2: It's going to be an interesting one for sure. I think uh, I'm, I'm with you all. I believe that William Byron is relatively safe. Uh, he tends to run well at Martinsville. He did win the spring race there last year uh, and has had some very, very good runs at Martinsville as well as you know, pretty much every other track this year. He's really had a, he's had a heck of a season, that's for sure. So barring something catastrophic, I think William Byron is probably safe to pencil into the championship four. So that really only leaves one slot available. And that means either a win by one of those five drivers that are further down that list or uh, a heck of a points day for anybody below the cut line. I would say Ryan Blaney is he's plus 10. He's OK. He's not great. I mean, plus 10 is, is, is not nothing. But at the same time, we've seen how quickly 10 points can come and go in a race. Um, I would say exactly. you're probably you're really looking at a race between Ryan Blaney and Tyler Reddick at this point. Um Martin Truex, I'll talk about him first. I think it's done for him. It's over for the 19 team. And the reason I say that is just what Martin said on the radio yesterday. Um, It it sounds like that team is frustrated, not just Martin himself, but the entire team, frustrated, demoralized. They're at each other's throats. They have not had a very good playoffs. It's actually somewhat reminiscent of Chase Elliott and the 19 last year, where they had a phenomenal regular season won the regular season championship, had brought a huge cushion of points into the playoffs, but unlike Martin Truex, Chase Elliott did just enough to squeak his way by all the way into Phoenix and then ended up finishing fourth in the championship four race. I, I don't think the 19 team has it in them to to overcome. I believe they're a 15-, 16-point deficit, and looking at the people that they need to beat to do it, can you really say that the 19 team is running better than the 12 right now or they're running better than the 45 right now? It's really tough to say that they are. Looking at the performance on the track as well as it seems like the, the, the motivation or whatever that intangible word you want to use there, I just don't see it there with the 19 team. I think Martin Shureks is eliminated this coming weekend. Looking at Denny Hamlin in the 11 team, that's another team. They have, they've run well in the playoffs, but Denny has gotten to the point now and we've seen it year after year after year, where Denny just he extends just a little bit too far and ends up, for lack of a better way to put it, he it, this is the choke time for the 11 team and they choked hard yesterday. Um, Ryan Blaney had a good laugh at Denny's expense because Denny tried to slide him a few times, ended up chickening out on an, and, and then broke like right right afterwards. And again, another team with the wind out of their sails. And another thing that I find to be interesting is. Denny Hamlin, known for running his mouth, known for stating his piece, has been silent since yesterday. He didn't say a thing on Twitter. He didn't even do his Atkins Detrimental podcast, which usually comes out on Mondays. Nothing from Denny and the 11 team. I really think that the wind is out of their sails as well. Denny Hamlin and the 11 team are going to be eliminated. Chris Buescher, he was the feel-good story for the regular season. Um, several wins back-to-back really brought RFK back to prominence. I think the Cinderella story is going to come to an end for him as well. Um, I, it's Obviously not out of the realm of possibilities, but historically speaking, Buescher has not tended to run well at Martinsville. He runs very well at Bristol, but we haven't seen him really run well at Martinsville. Maybe things change, but without a win – Mathematically, yes, it is theoretically possible that Chris Buescher and that number 17 team can advance, but without a win, it's going to be very, very unlikely. I think Chris Buescher is eliminated as well. So we're really back to a race between Ryan Blaney and Tyler Reddick. With the coin, it's going to all come down to track position and who has the better day and better execution on pit road for those two.
0: Okay, he makes a good case, Jay. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, I'm going to actually uh, use some statistics here, which have actually surprised me. Hold on a second. Bob's the down. Um, Ryan Blaney actually has the best average finish at 9.5. Uh, I went into racing reference to pull up the stat lines. Doesn't have the win. But second is Denny Hamlin. Uh, average finish is 10.3, five victories. And Mike talked about Martin Truex. Uh Average finish is down at 15 or sorry, 16.0, puts him a little further down the list, but does have three victories. William Byron's just above him with 11 races at the track, one win, and an average finish of 15.1. So right there, that's what I say. I think it is completely wide open. Unfortunately, uh, Mike said, I think the the Cinderella storyline for Chris Buescher, probably over. It was a good one. If he makes it to the final four, the championship four, it would be a great one. Uh, I just don't see it, especially happening at uh, Martinsville.
1: Okay. His average
3: finish there, a 19.4. But when we look at his year, he had got wins at tracks. He had never won it before, had a really great season. So, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And who are we missing in there? Tyler Reddick. He was in the mix there somewhere. Um, yeah, he's 10
0: below, 10 points below.
3: No, I was looking for his um, stat line here uh, where he fit in as far as average finish. There it's below seven versus only one top 10 average finish at 20.1. So there again, not his best. He's seen them step up their game. So that kind of changes things. The one thing I will say uh, that I, I disagree with Mike on, I got to find something to disagree with on him on every topic <laughs> Truex and that team, we've heard the conversation throughout the year. I mean, it's been documented how him and crew chief uh, James Small talked to each other. There was some serious frustration yesterday, uh, without a doubt. Um, I, I don't remember what it was that Truex responded to, and the answer was, I don't care. You know, But we've seen that before, and we've seen him come back and win races. So I think that, and Truex has won that, I think we've seen – can really compartmentalize and put that behind them, especially if they bring a fast, race-winning capable car to Martinsville. A lot of their situation this year has just been, as much as you say that you create your own luck, it's been bad luck. I mean, that motor blowing up yesterday um, after having a dominant car. Think back to and I'm trying to remember which race it was, three laps in right front tire or something on it breaks and he just crushes the wall three laps into a race. I mean, that, again, that is just some serious bad luck and having a rough year. Mm -hmm. Denny Hamlin, on the other hand, self-creates, and we saw a little bit of that yesterday, and I think that that may be one where, as we like to say, shot himself in the foot because there's several drivers that I think are not going to give him any kind of break when it comes to Martinsville Ryan Blaney being at the lead of that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw his video, uh, but uh, he did not mince any words on his car radio, I guess, about Denny Hamlin. And um, he had some things to say after the race as well. So um, uh, in in one sense, I'm glad people are speaking up about Denny Hamlin because I, I feel like it's about time. Uh, that they've done that. And you're right, he's been super, super quiet. Uh we are hearing the usual Denny Hamlin chatter. Um and he he does if he wants to go after this championship, he's gonna have to refocus himself and stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and focus on what he himself Needs to do. The problem with Denny Hamlin is he's so worried about what the other guy's doing that he misses he misses the boat for himself, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. Um, and and Martin Truex, I have to agree with with both of you because what both of you have said, I can see both points of view. Um, I, I think that, and somebody said it. I think on the broadcast that. Martin at one point said, that's just the way we communicate. Um, and I don't know that it works for them during the regular season. I don't know that it's working for them during the playoffs. Um, I think that uh, that team is extremely frustrated with one. And I don't even know if it's with one another because it's like you said, Jay, um, they have had things happen that just, <laughs> and you know the flat tire, the engine expiring, uh all of those things that are happening, and they're in the same stable as Christopher Bell uh you would think the veterans would be the ones that would be the cream rising to the top uh but Christopher Bell has just and he had a rough day yesterday himself. His race did not start out that well and and I guess I'm saying all of this to say. Things can happen, and and that's the unknown that we have going into this race. Everything that Mike said is a possibility, and it could happen exactly the way he said, but there are unknowns with Martinsville, and I do think that it's, a, it's going to be up for grabs and we're going to see things happen that we don't expect to happen. William Byron could have an engine expire just like Martin Truex did, and he could be the guy that ends up below that cut line. Um, so I don't think it's a given. Uh, I, I don't see him being a given. I, I do think that he could have bad luck just like everybody else, and something could happen that could stick him out of the race. Um I do think that the closest race is between Ryan Blaney and Tyler Reddick. uh, Jay brings up a good point. This is not one of Tyler Reddick's best tracks. Uh, And I don't think that Tyler Reddick's had the best playoff run that he wanted to have either. I think his team has kind of faltered uh, throughout these playoffs. And I, I think it all speaks to the fact that this playoff has been a Extremely competitive playoff And um, uh, It is going to be interesting To see what happens at At Miami, um I'm sorry, Martinsville uh, This next week uh, Because I think it could shake up these points again And I think a lot of things We're seeing now could be totally the opposite uh, When it's all said and done It may be exactly the same As it is right now um, and that's just the point. We don't really know going into Martinsville how it's going to end up. So, Mike, you get you get the final say here.
2: Well, I mean, I kind of broke down everybody in my first reply, so I'll, I guess I can talk about the two guys that I really didn't talk about because they're already locked in. you got Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell. Uh, can you tell who I had for the fantasy pool yesterday? Because only my juju is bad enough. To take out Kyle Larson at Miami. But really, in all seriousness, um, you got to wonder what something like that, some, some, just a demoralizing incident like that, what kind of an effect, if any, does that have on the 5 team? There were pictures that were posted yesterday of uh, after the race, Cliff Daniels had kind of a, a huddle with uh, with the entire team right there by the hauler after they were done packing up the, the busted-up race car. They didn't disclose what was said there, but you got to imagine Cliff Daniels is He has identified that as a potential um, demoralizing moment of running so very, very well, and then one just catastrophic mistake by the driver just wipes out their entire day. And I think Cliff Daniels is keenly aware that if that's not handled well, that could really kill the momentum that that 5-team has going into Phoenix. Uh, Looking at Christopher Bell, that's a great shot in the arm. Complete opposite story, right? Right. Terrible, terrible day long. Uh, NBC really highlighted about the radio on the 20 team Mm -hmm. where Bell was talking about how tight the car was, how terrible it was. It was undrivable. He was cracking jokes about, oh, I guess I need to start working on driving right now or something along those lines. And then all of a sudden in the last 10 laps of the race, this guy comes out of nowhere and wins the thing that has got to be a huge shot of momentum for, for the number 20 team going into, yes, they've got Martinsville this weekend, but looking forward into Phoenix, that 20 team has really got to be on a roll. Same thing for William Byron. Um, even if he does, he will most likely make the championship for barring a catastrophic day this weekend at Martinsville. And that team mm-hmm. has just been consistently good. They didn't win the regular season championship. They just missed it to Martin Truex because of some consistency issues. But I think a lot of that consistency has been cleaned up in the playoffs. And William Byron, that number 24 team, has probably been one of the most consistently strong teams that we've had through the duration of the playoffs. And they showed it again yesterday, running it up front most of the, most of the afternoon, uh, coming home with another top five finish, one of many for that uh, number 24 team. Also, if fans are paying attention, the number nine team from Hendrick Motorsports, currently being driven by Chase Elliott, and champ- the owner's championship standings, is in dead last, in a must-win situation after terrible performances at both Las Vegas and Miami. If the number nine car does not win this weekend at Martinsville, the number nine will be eliminated from Owner's Championship contention. So there's your update on that as well.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Jay, or no. Yeah, it is Jay's turn. Uh, What's our next topic?
3: Um, this one I want to go to, uh, actually I had some follow-up there real quick though, since I was using, uh, actual statistics, sure. Mike, Mike has finished last in our cup series fantasy picks the last two weeks. That's a fact. I got the, I got the chart. It's a fact. I'm not picking on him. I'm not poking at him. That's a fact. <laughs> um, moving on to our next hot topic though. This one it cracks me up when you get facts released and people want to add to the story. So we're going to go with Brad Sweet, Kyle Larson expanding as they have bought or acquired the all-star circuit of a champions from Tony Stewart, a, another sprint car series, which is putting them on the level of possibly competing with the world of outlaws when it comes to the top uh, sprint car series across the United States. And I'll go into the uh, what-ifs afterwards.
0: Okay, Mike, your thoughts about that news? I
2: I did see the story. I'm not super familiar with the what-ifs and whatnot, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jay brings up up with this one. But with regard to Kyle Larson continuing to expand his empire in, in dirt racing, Look, the, the joke forever has always been that Kyle Larson races in the Cup Series to fund his dirt track addiction. And I don't know that that's necessarily just a joke. I think that may, may, there's at least a kernel, if not an entire ear or corn of truth to that. So seeing him continue <laughs> to expand, I think, is great. Not just, And this isn't about Kyle Larson. You've got to think about the opportunities that he's giving, or at least doors that he's opening for so many other racers coming up through the dirt world and potentially eventually into the, the NASCAR world. Uh, having a guy like Kyle Larson, a big name, a, a big celebrity, uh, involved in promoting and growing the sport is only a good thing. So seeing him continue to grow that is phenomenal. Um, with regard to buying it from Tony Stewart, I don't know if there's really any hay to be made there. I know there. I'm sure there's people reading into what that means as far as Tony getting out of the circle track game. Is he getting more and more involved in NHRA, which? It looks like he is. I don't know if that has anything to do with him selling a racetrack. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I really don't want to speculate too much. But either way, I'm really glad to see Kyle Larson continue to grow because he's a really positive force when it comes to developmental racing.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen some of that too, uh, Mike. And I think that people are being a little hard on Tony Stewart. they got to think about – why he bought that series and the all-star circuit of champions and this is kind of the realization of his dream he he bought that to save that series and it did save that series and now it's okay for him to move on because the series has been saved uh, it's going to be bought by Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson. Uh, that Kyle's uh, Brad Sweet's sister is married to Kyle Larson, so it's all in the family there. And uh, uh, I think this is a win-win-win situation all the way around. I don't think I, I don't think any less of Tony Stewart uh, for selling it. I think he did what he set out to do, and uh, now these guys are going to carry it on. Uh, and and these are two of the best guys you'd want to have carry that on Uh, so I I, I like the idea that these guys uh, bought it and they are expanding it and you're right they're going to be real competitive now with the world of outlaws and uh, uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch that competition uh, in both of those series I think it's going to be exciting so uh, obviously there are a number of drivers out there uh, that can be competitive uh, across both of those series. So I, I, I don't see any negatives here. I think it's all good. Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
3: Well, I'm going to have a tough time finding something in this one to argue with Mike about, and it didn't take him long to go down that road of what if. Um, start with the fact of that it got sold. And, Sharon, you made a great point. He revived it. He saved it. He revived it and is now passing on that torch. And Kyle Larson and and Brad Sweet are ones that want to pick it up and carry it. And we've seen this Mm -hmm. with the Cars Tour of Jeff Burton, Kevin Harvick, Justin Marks, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. buying the ASA uh, Cars Tour series. You know, they want to see it continue and bring it back to life to another level. So having somebody that's willing to do it. Tony Stewart has a lot of irons in the fire. And this is one he is willing to, and he didn't just sell it outright just to sell it and be rid of it. It went to somebody I think he fully knows is going to take it to another level, um, even above what what he had. And I think about the fact that he's um, picked up with the SRX, just moving on to another chapter. And and that's where uh, um, the things started coming in. I saw a lot of the comments. Again, of people are, oh, he's going to now sell out of uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Again, they've had a struggle. There's been talk about how much he shows up at the track, whether he's really supporting his NASCAR team. It's all about the NHRA. Okay, I haven't heard anything about him selling Eldora either, but there are, there's only so much a person can do. He has chosen to put some focus on NHRA as well as the SRX series, both of which have been very successful. So, I don't understand why you got to, I'll use the word hate on, but hold that against him um, when it comes to that. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens going down the road, but I I think it's great for the sprint car series and world, and again, when we talk about anything, if there is only one option, uh, it can be, doesn't always have to be, but get a little stale and have some issues. The other thing, when I look at it, you think back um, the first year after Tony Stewart had bought it, Tony Stewart still, I don't know how much he does now, but at the time liked to run in these races, Mm -hmm. had some issues where he wouldn't run in his own series um, when it came to the all-star circuit of champions. So he was actually running with the, and I'm going to mess it up, Pete Walton's group of, I can't think of it right now, but they run locally because that's what the first race I got to announce at Magnolia Motor Speedway, he was here racing with them instead of with his own series. Uh, Yeah, man, uh, ASCS. um, There we go, the ASCS sprint cars, and they have several regional series here across the southeast. Um, So there, too, it frees him up if he wants to run and not have any kind of controversy because he doesn't own the series anymore. So... I see a lot of positives to it. Is there a possibility of where he's at with the NASCAR? Uh, yeah, but nothing's been announced about that. We have heard or seen nothing from him. It still has his name on the side of the building. So until that changes, the what if game, as Dave Moody likes to say, that's an endless game and I don't want to play it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where all the hate's coming from either, but um uh... Again, I don't have a whole lot more to say. I think it's a win-win-win situation all the way around the board here. Um, and you're right. Tony knows he's, he's passing this torch uh, to a couple of people that are going to take good care of it. He knows uh, this is a passion for Carl Larson and Brad Sweet. And they're, they're going to take it to another level. And I totally agree with that. And uh, I think it's all good. So I don't have a, a whole lot to say. And, Mike, I totally skipped over you. What did you want to
2: say? <laughs> well, it is your show. So I guess you set the order however you want you see fit. So if you want to skip over me, I guess that's your prerogative. But anyway, uh, with regard to Tony Stewart and, and Stewart Haas Racing, I think that's where a lot of that, the, the term J.U. is being hate, is coming from. I think it's a lot of really frustrated Stewart Haas Racing fans. Um, they have seen the team decline over the past few years, and unfortunately Andy's not here being our resident Stuart Haas Racing fan because I would like to get his take on it. But they have seen the performance on track of Stuart Haas Racing decline over the this past few years, and they've been looking for something, anything to point their finger at, and a lot of people, and I'm not going to say myself not included on there, has, have pointed the finger at Tony Stewart and his many irons in the fire. As part of the reason why stewart Haas Racing has experienced the decline that they have over the, the previous years. Whether that's valid or not, I don't know. But I think that explains why there's a, that that immediate knee-jerk jump to, to, to the hate of of Tony Stewart and why he's getting out of it and all that. I think it's because of the frustration that Stuart Haas Racing fans have seeing their favorite Cup team really struggling over the past few years. So... It's understandable. I'm not saying necessarily that they're right or wrong, but I can definitely understand where they might be coming from if that is indeed the case. With regard to uh, to the actual series itself, I hope Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet do a great job with it, and I have every bit of faith that they will. Um, like you said, Sharon, there are no two guys who are more qualified and more excited about we're continuing to grow dirt racing in the U S and Kyle Larson and Brad sweet. So if you're looking for a perfect pair of stewards for a series like that, I don't know if you could do any better than those two. So I, I wish them the very best of luck.
0: Okay. And, and I, I agree with you with regard to the SHR fans. I understand the frustration. I get it. Um, and somebody's got to be the scapegoat for it, but, um, A lot of these teams do go through a cycle, if you will, Uh, and I think that's what's happening at stewart House Racing. Uh, I call it waves where you you have your highs and your lows, and they just happen to be in a low and maybe on the rise. I don't know, but um, I I certainly do. I agree with you, Mike. I understand what the frustration is. I, I don't know that I agree with the hate towards Tony Stewart over it. Um, because it takes more than one person to run an organization and uh, he's not the be-all end-all there and I do think that um, there could be some other issues that are happening there and maybe maybe it would help if Tony was there uh, more day-to-day operation wise uh, but I'm sure he's put somebody in that position for the day-to-day operation of that organization, and um, uh, if they can't do the job, then Tony Stewart is the owner, or or, uh, Gene Hawes is the owner, they have to look at it and make a decision that maybe they need to make some personnel changes. but just because he owns it doesn't mean that he has to be there day-to-day. I know that Roger Penske isn't there day-to-day. I know that Rick Hendrick isn't there all day-to-day anymore. Um, they put people into place to take care of the day-to-day operations of their day-to-day operation of their organizations. So uh, the same thing is true at Stuart Haas Racing. So we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, but eventually they will turn that corner and they will be able to be back on the upswing. And part of it is bringing in the new blood that they're bringing into the organization uh, with drivers like Josh Berry. And, and he's going to be new in the cup series next year. So I don't expect him to be out winning uh, a bunch of races next year. It, there is going to be a transition period here. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, um, Overall, I think it's a a good move all the way around the board. Jay, you get the final word.
3: Yeah, the thing is, and I I think back to even uh, in his Racing Career Cup series and otherwise, Tony Stewart has always been that polarizing figure. Kind of go back to Dale Earnhardt, either love him or you hate him, you know, using that that phrase. Mm -hmm. And, And this is one of those that I think it's a matter of who it is. You mentioned Roger Penske, not one that's at the track, has a lot of different irons in the fire with the track um, and Indy Racing League teams as well. I don't see a lot being pointed at Gene Haas on his side as he's looking to get into Formula One. And then I look at other teams that have gone through their down times and struggles. Roush Fenway. uh, Roush was at the track. He was more involved than I think any (laughs) one of the owners that uh, you can't get more involved than Jack Roush. Richard Childress. Again, RCR went through a stage of struggling. He was at the, with the team a hundred percent all the way. So that's not always necessarily the the answer. Um, I think this is just the one, the fact that it's Tony Stewart, people want to, want to poke at cause they know they can get under his skin for one, you know? Uh, and we saw that from the media side as well as uh, the, the NASCAR um, side as well, just from everything he does. Like I said, just that polarizing figure when we talk about that, but overall, I, going back to the actual sprint car series, you both said it real well of the giving back and bringing it to another level, Kyle Larson, and Brad sweet, nobody better to sell to. We've seen what they want to do, what they've done already with the uh, high limit series and to combine that and, and just continue to grow it. I am so excited for that.
0: Okay. Uh, Mike, you got a topic you want to talk about?
2: Sure. Uh, this one has been in the rumor mill for the past couple of weeks, but they made it officially official this past weekend. Chandler Smith has been bought out of College Racing and will be racing with the Joe Gibbs Racing uh, Xfinity Series program next year. So Chandler Smith staying in Xfinity Series, but leaving College Racing to go over to Joe Gibbs.
0: Is he driving the 19 car? I didn't see the word on it.
2: I don't know that they specifically said which Joe Gibbs racing car that they're going to have him in. Uh, Right now, the 19 is just kind of a a rotation of pay drivers. The 20, obviously, is John Hunter Nemechek, but he's leaving to go drive the number 42 in the Cup Series next year. Uh, So there's really no clarity as to what uh, specifically Chandler Smith is going to be driving beyond the fact that he will be in a Joe Gibbs racing Xfinity Series car.
0: Okay, Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts?
3: Uh, Yeah, there's not a whole lot of facts when it comes to that other than the buyout is complete and he is moving to Joe Gibbs Racing, as Mike said. There's a couple of things I'd heard, and we had talked about this or what the status of Joe Gibbs Racing might be because we had already heard Sammy Smith was leaving the team to go to Junior Motorsports to fill that number eight being left by Josh Berry. The, when I heard, and I, and I won't even say from any kind of credible source, I just saw somebody else put it out there, Sheldon Creed is another one that has opted to leave his current team of RCR. Somebody linked that to Joe Gibbs Racing. That is purely speculation. I have not even heard that rumor of anything um, from what I would consider an official and credible source, but that possibility is out there as he's looking for a ride, as is Matt Benedetto. Never know. Uh, DeBetadetto, it would be a return to Joe Gibbs Racing. But they are filling those seats. So when we look at Joe Gibbs Racing, they obviously have the intent to stay within the Xfinity Series. As Mike said, then they have uh, another team that they have a tendency to rotate, whether it be cup drivers or other um, fill-ins based on sponsorship. You also still have Ryan Truex, who got a win for him this year. Trevor Bain has made several starts for him. So those are some that may be in that rotation of drivers or may be able to fill uh, a full-time seat if they can get the sponsorship worked out. What perplexes me here is right now in the Xfinity Series, we we still have eight that are in contention to go to the championship four. Three of those eight in the final, yeah, three of the final eight that are still in contention are changing teams next year. (laughs) Sammy Smith going from JGR to Junior Motorsports. Chandler Smith now announcing he's leaving College to go to JGR, which again would be moving into a championship organization. I'm not disputing that. And then who is? The, oh, Sheldon Creed announcing he's leaving RCR. And again, he's not in a great position, but is still one of the final eight. We'll find out this next weekend who goes to the championship four. It just blows my mind that half of the final eight in the championship battle moving teams uh i don't know what a issue there is i mean like i said with chandler smith i as much as i like what college racing has been doing and building i think going into a joe gibbs racing seat obviously is a step up um i don't think anybody can deny that at least the opportunity to there um is but i i just it's kind of confusing especially being that they kind of let Toyota, as a manufacturer, we'll call it, um, let him go to begin with uh, when he left Joe get, or not uh, Kyle Bush Motorsports from the truck series, um, that there seemed to be that split. And maybe it was the plan all along was like, we just can't get you in one right now. Come back and we'll see what can happen. And they obviously want him because they did the buyout. So um, returning home to Toyota, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I get, too, is that uh, it was a place marker for Chandler Smith until he could get back to Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, the, the, the part that I think is is the sad part of all of this is Colic Racing, uh, because they, they brought Chandler Smith into the fold. And we had this conversation a week or maybe two ago where we were talking about the financial struggles for college racing to the point that AJ Allmendinger might not be able to race in cup next season. I, I got to wonder if this move doesn't allow them to maybe drop the Xfinity series car in order to have AJ run in the cup series for next season. Uh It's funny how all these all these have a connection in some way or another, and there's uh, there's certain reasons for why things happen the way that they happen, and it seems a little odd to us at the time, uh, but that's kind of what it feels like. It, it kind of feels like Chandler Smith came to College Racing uh, as a place marker, a place for him to be, uh, to keep himself uh, in top condition, if you will, uh, for when the j g r uh ride opens up, and that happened with uh, John Hunter Niemanzek moving over uh to Legacy Motor Club next season uh so now you've got a championship potential championship winning car uh that is open for um Chandler Smith to take. Um, I am going to make a quick announcement real quick before we move on. Uh, For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, uh, we let you know that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time, but we are going to perhaps continue. We've got a couple more topics here, I guess. And we will record that part of the conversation as uh, part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast so you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation when the podcast becomes available and i'll go out on twitter and facebook to let you know when that happens so at your convenience you can fast forward to the two-hour mark on any of our players whether it be on TuneIn, itunes iHeartRadio, radio um, wherever you tune in you can fast forward to that two-hour mark, and you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation. We're also on the Amazon uh, podcast now, too. So uh, there's a lot of different ways you can listen to our show, uh, as well as our website, com. So with that, I'll just say... Um, in a way, it does kind of make sense to me uh, that they, they, did, they did the buyout. Um, that buyout obviously helps college racing at this particular point in time, and it may be just what they needed for AJ to race in the Cup Series uh, for next season. So we'll see if there's any other announcements that come out uh, that substantiate that, but I think that's all part of the grand scheme of things, if you will. Mike, your thoughts?
2: I don't know that this was part of Colleague Gracing's master plan here to lose Chandler Smith. If you look at the statement no, that I put either, out, when, but... yeah, yeah, because I mean, if you look at the statement that Colleague put out when this was announced, it was very cold. It was it was basically mm-hmm. the driver Chandler Smith, who has raced for us for a year and has done this, this, and this, will be leaving at the end of the season, and that was it. It was not a very warm and. and we're, you know, we're happy to see him go, and we wish him the very best. You know, the, the typical niceties that go into a driver departure kind of message really weren't there, and that kind of ties into what we talked about with the press conference at the end of the Indianapolis race after A.J. Almendinger won there. It seemed like they were not, not Indianapolis, uh, Charlotte, when uh, Chris Rice was very cold about Chandler Smith and seemed like he was throwing some shade at him because I believe he knew that the Joe Gibbs Racing deal was, if it wasn't finalized at that moment, he I'm sure he knew that it was almost surely a done deal. And he seemed like he was very frustrated with Chandler Smith at that point as well. So I don't think Colleague losing Chandler Smith was part of their plan. In fact, I think they had hoped that Chandler Smith would become a development driver, that they could eventually build their Cup Series organization on, and they could hang their hat and say, That guy there, that Chandler Smith guy winning in the Cup Series, we made that. We were the team that developed that, and I think they lost that opportunity, and I think they might be a little bit frustrated about that. They do Um,
0: benefit, though, from the buyout.
2: Well, certainly they do. And and like you said, they've got the financial position that they're in as far as sponsorship or the lack thereof and the need to find some money. So you're right. They're, They're kind of getting pulled in two different directions here on one end. They've got the desire to have that development driver that they own, and and he's their guy. But on the other end, Mm -hmm. like you said, they're up against the wall with with money. So maybe they just needed the money to have it happen. I don't know. You would think, though, if it was that beneficial to them, they would have been at least publicly been at least a little bit nicer about Chandler leaving because it, it sure seemed like they were pretty salty about it, at least the way it happened. So I don't know. With regard to Chandler Smith moving over to Joe Gibbs Racing, I agree with Jay. I think it's going to be a step up from him. Uh, I believe that Joe Gibbs Racing equipment, by and large, is better than Colleague. Maybe a year or two ago, that wasn't the case before Callig got serious about the Cup Series program. I think that really dragged down the, the performance of their Xfinity program. But I think right now, 2023 going into 2024. I believe that Joe Gibbs Racing Equipment is probably the best, if if not the very best, one of probably two teams that produce the best equipment week in and week out in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So I believe it is a step up for Chandler Smith in there. Um, Given that he's run fairly decent in calling equipment this year, I can't help but imagine he's going to be a championship contender next year, assuming that Joe Gibbs Racing keeps the pace that they've had over the previous, I mean, really decade or so in the Xfinity Series. And there's really no reason to believe they won't.
0: Okay,
3: Jay, your follow-up? Well, and this one's tough to say because, again, you're talking about two rookies. They're losing Sammy Smith. JGR is losing Sammy Smith and bringing in Chandler Smith. They both had one victory uh, throughout this season. Overall, I think Chandler Smith has probably done better overall, and I I was trying to pull up the uh, race and reference stat line, but I wasn't able to yet um, to look at it. I, I agree with Mike here that I think College Racing said, hey, we took a chance on you to put you in the Xfinity Series, invested in you, which I believe was for a three-year deal. Um, I think they bought out two years, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have that uh, for sure. But as, as Mike said, as that was when they started the Cup Series as well, and that was one that they looked at of eventually moving up to Cup. So it does kind of put them in a bind, because even with the money they're going to get for the buyout, they now got to go find another driver to invest in, whether it be a rookie again or not or something else um, that they got to start over, if you will, with bringing a driver in, no matter whether it be a veteran driver or a, uh, I'll say, decent driver. One that's one in the Xfinity, say Noah Gregson. Just throw his name out there because I haven't said it all show. But they <laughs> they got to invest in somebody <laughs> And it is a learning curve. With Matt Benedetto again, I know he's out there looking for a ride. Sheldon Creed, whoever it be. So there's still some names out there that I'll be interested in. in that, too, some of this stuff so late in the season is another thing that has really kind of perplexed me this year. I know we always have a couple fill-ins here and there of what, what seats are left and available at the end of the year. But there's been some rather big moves here in the latter part of a season that I just don't recall before, and that too i I guess I kind of have concerns. I mean, just the fact that it is this late in the season, as I said, you have three championship contending teams that are switching something weird's going on.
0: yeah, I would have to agree with that. I just went over to um the um, team chart for 2024 at j for the Xfinity series. And it's unbelievable how many question marks that they have up over there. Um, A lot, a lot of question marks. In fact, well, one of the question marks obviously has been answered for Joe Gibbs Racing, and that is that uh, of the three cars, they had the eighteen, the nineteen, and the twenty. Um, all three of them have question marks, but we know now that Chandler Smith's going to fill in one of those question marks. Um, and have they said where Sammy Smith is going? Well, he's going. Sammy
3: Smith number in the Junior Motorsport. The number, motor the number eight. The number eight. There you go, the number oh, eight that's right. yep, he's to replace
0: to Josh Berry. Eight. Okay, I just couldn't remember where. Okay, so he's going to uh, Chevy. Well, here's the thing. I, I do agree with you guys that they invested in Chandler Smith, and it is a hard pill to take when your driver comes to you and tells you that they're going to be moving over uh, and going back to Toyota. Uh, at that point, colleague has to feel like, uh, they were kind of used, if you will, uh, it, um, it, in in that whole process. But why in the world would Chandler sign a three-year deal with um, them unless he knew that all along that Joe Gibbs Racing was going to buy out that that deal? Um, what I think is uh, interesting here is that if you look at the college racing teams, uh, right now they've got a bunch of question marks there as well. They don't have drivers for the number 10 or the number 11 for next season. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. I guess what I'm saying is that even though it was a hard pill to swallow for college racing to have their driver tell them that they were leaving, and i'm sure it was a hard pill to swallow um it's it's happening the buyout is happening at a kind of a convenient time for them as well because they they need that extra money um because right now they don't have drivers in that number 10 or number 11 now uh i think that they probably know who's going to drive those cars um but I just wonder if that buyout money isn't going to help AJ um Almondinger race in the Cup Series. Maybe not. Maybe it's not going to help. Maybe it's going to keep them, uh, allow them to have two cars in the Xfinity Series, uh, and allow them to be more competitive in the Xfinity Series. Uh, maybe AJ is going to take one of those cars and, uh, who knows who is going to take the other one. But, uh, I just think that the buyout's not going to hurt college racing. I think it's going to help them at a time that they need that extra help. And uh I agree with you that it's a tough pill to swallow when you, you think you've got a driver you can develop and and move on with, only to find out that that's not the case. So I get it. Uh Mike, What what's your wrap-up?
2: Well, we're talking about the buyout potentially funding, keeping A.J. Allmendinger in the Cup Series. I don't know how much. Obviously, I'm not privy to what the contract actually was worth, but I don't know how much a a contract for a rookie Xfinity Series driver, what kind of cash value that really has in terms of a buyout. I'd be shocked, absolutely just blown away. If if, if a two-year's worth of a rookie Xfinity Series driver even came close to half a season worth of Cup Series racing, you just look at the the raw costs. An Xfinity Series team costs somewhere between four and six million dollars per year, and a Cup Series team runs fifteen to twenty million. So, roughly three times the cost to run a Cup Series team versus an Xfinity Series team. So, just using that that math right there, two years worth well, of Series. Well, I didn't say cover it. Together.
0: I said help it.
2: <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, who knows what that gap was there too? They they really have been tight-lipped about how far off they were to make A.J. whole just to stay in the Cup Series. So you're right. Maybe it does bridge the gap enough there. Um, but I, I would be hesitant to say that this is some sort of a financial windfall for College Racing here, either getting bought out. Um, who knows what they had invested in Chandler Smith financially. But like I said, I, I don't expect it to be Cup Series level money for, for a driver like Chandler Smith. No offense to him. He just doesn't have the deep enough resume to command that kind of financial investment. Not at least not yet. As far as his performance over at Joe Gibbs racing yet to be determined. Um, I believe he will most likely be a championship contender. Like I said, in my previous reply, but the, uh, it is interesting to see how there's so many pieces in play right now in the Xfinity series where the cup series is more or less settled. There's a couple question marks here and there. The colleague 16 is probably the biggest one at this point, but by and large, the Cup Series is pretty well settled, not so much in the Xfinity Series. And we're probably going to be off the air for the off season before those pieces start falling into place. So we'll have a lot to talk about come the end of January when we get back going at this. Without a doubt. Okay.
0: Uh, Jay, you got a topic?
3: Well, uh, let's see what we got left on our list. Um Actually, this one we didn't talk about. I guess uh, let's see what how far we go with this one, but the number thirty-eight truck, uh, Zane Smith, uh, was DQ'd this past weekend, and I believe from what what I understand is it did not affect the championship four, as even with his second place finish, um, points wise it was still going to be the same, as he was pretty much in a must win situation, but was DQ'd, and from what Mike put up here. I thought that window was a little bit longer, but Bob Hawkers tweeted the deadline has passed for Front Row Motorsports to appeal the DQ on the Zane Smith truck, um, and they did not do so.
0: Okay, Mike, your thoughts.
2: Uh, I didn't watch the Truck Series race; I watched highlights, including some uh, video snippets of the 38 truck on the on the uh, on the track. And if you've ever seen a disqualification come and you saw it this this weekend because that that, wasn't even close. Harvick was disqualified at Talladega because there were a few fasteners that were missing or loose on his windshield. The 38 truck, the entire front windshield, if you look uh, right where the name tag is on the driver's side of that windshield, it's deformed and caved in. It's very obvious that either the support structure that's supposed to hold that up wasn't properly installed or it has broken, or they played way too many games with it and it was way too obvious. It was one of those ones where you might as well not spend the money on fuel and tires because you're going to get disqualified. You might as well park the thing because there there was no chance that truck was passing tech, and that's probably why they they didn't even bother to appeal the DQ. Um, Yeah, second-place finish was not enough to, to advance Zane Smith. He was actually eliminated in the last round anyway, I believe. So he was out of the game, but it didn't move the points enough to affect the championship four from there. Um, which is good. I, you would hate to see something as significant as the the four drivers who are in a race for a championship that have that affected by a completely unrelated team playing games or having some sort of a mechanical failure. I doubt it was a mechanical failure. They wouldn't disqualify somebody for just a mechanical failure. So a team playing games, getting caught, getting disqualified, that would be a really bad look to have that affect the championship force. I'm really glad that it didn't. Um, I am looking forward to probably not this weekend at Martinsville since there's no truck series race, but hopefully at Phoenix we get a little bit more information about exactly what was wrong with that 38 truck that led to that disqualification. Because, as we've seen, NASCAR has been very straightforward and transparent with bringing these illegal parts to the racetrack and showing us fans as well as the other teams of, hey, if you do this, you're going to get disqualified, so don't do that. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what that 38 truck had going on that made it so obviously wrong.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that too, Mike. I I like the transparency that NASCAR has given us this year. But you're right, it did not affect anything. Zane Smith actually had to have a win if he was going to be able to stay into the playoff contention. Uh, He came in second, uh, and it wasn't enough. So he was still below the cut line, but now he's way below the cut line uh, with the DQ. Uh, it will be interesting to see what NASCAR comes back with after they uh, do their further investigation at the R&D Center uh, and tell us what happened. I, I do think it's also interesting that Front Row Motorsports has chosen not to appeal the disqualification of Zane Smith. Uh, I think they know, especially with this photo that was released, uh, that they don't have a leg to stand on, so why go through that process? Um, And NASCAR has been real clear about this. I do find it surprising uh, that they would do this knowing that Kevin Harvick was called on it uh, if they're doing it on purpose. And I understand it does give them a little bit of a competitive advantage uh to have that loose. So uh I think I heard on um I must have been Sirius XM radio somebody talking about how they used to do that all the time back in the day um but now is catching it and and they're uh uh not allowing it uh because it is a competitive advantage to the driver. So um you're right. I'm glad that it didn't affect the championship title run uh, because you know how I feel about that. I, I don't like seeing us crown a champion um, uh, when the team, and I'm not going to say the driver, but the team has been caught uh, doing things that are illegal. Uh, so uh, I think it's worked out exactly the way that it has worked out. Front row's not going to appeal it. Uh, so that tells me they knew uh, what was going on there, and uh, they know they had a responsibility there. So, not a whole lot more to say on that one, except I'm curious to see what NASCAR comes out with it, pending their further investigation. Further investigation, Jay.
3: Well, and here's the thing: it was initially Front Row's statement was they were disappointed with the penalty, and they were going to stay in close contact with NASCAR as far as what they found. Um, so whether that brace was designed to give a little bit or it gave more than what uh, they thought it might, if it were intentional, don't know, and and Larry McReynolds always likes to say it. NASCAR has to enforce the rule as it is, not based on intent or whatever. It was clearly not race damage because it's on the front windshield, and so it did not come from just race damage or wear and tear. You go back to a couple weeks ago at Talladega, Kevin Harvick's, they were aware of that issue with the bolt in the windshield. Um, And I know when we talked about this, we said we didn't think that would be an aero advantage. It apparently was, but they were aware of it and would put a sealant on that screw to hold it in place. For whatever reason, that sealant didn't work either. So they knew that was a spot where that could happen, and they had taken steps to try and um, alleviate that by adding the additional sealant so that that bolt there that couldn't work its way out but it still did um so this is one where that you know nascar is in a position it clearly and it, it's kind of curious because this is one that once the race is over and you're not under race speed that that brace would pop back up and you wouldn't see it you know going through tech it measures um hits the points on the the inspection that it's only when the amount of force that's created by right. racing at 160 or whatever speed that it creates that. And we go back several years when it was the rear windshields that the SHR team and HMS, uh, Chase Elliott was one of them, I think, got involved in that, of buckling and then <laughs> popping back up once you're not up to speed. So that appears to be the same thing. I and, think. Yeah, and this – yeah, I, and this one – I see where they were at because, again, you mentioned they were in an absolute must-win situation. Uh, The mathematical, I think, was all but impossible for them if they really did try and throw everything they could at it. What I feel bad for, I'm with you guys. I'm glad he didn't win and it be a part of the storyline of who should have been in the championship for and whatever, but I feel bad for Zane Smith. We know he's moving up to the Cup Series, and I know Mike said it. He's had a hot, cold year, but his three years in the truck series, he finished second, second, and first in the three years that he was in the truck series. To end his truck series career and moving up to the Cup Series like this, I just feel bad for him uh, as far as that.
0: Mm. Okay, Mike?
2: Well, Sharon, you said Front Row didn't appeal the disqualification because they knew they didn't have a leg to stand on. And neither did their windshield. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, yeah. All right, I'll be, yeah, 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 I'll be, I'll be here all week. But yeah, as, as far as the uh, what they did to it, who knows? We'll find out in, in a couple of weeks. Like I said, I, I don't believe it was a mechanical failure because NASCAR tends to be pretty understanding when things fail and you made your very best effort. Same thing with the Kevin Harvick windshield. I know they said they put a sealant on it to try and keep those screws from backing out. And I believe that NASCAR looked at it and they they determined that that either was not applied correctly or some some other thing within the team's control led to the the screws backing out and being in the situation the four-car was. And I believe the same thing is the case of the number 38 truck. Um, They did something or failed to do something that led to that windshield support failing and, and caving it in the windshield and giving a potential aerodynamic advantage to the number 38 truck. And they were rightfully disqualified. And I believe front row is correct and in, in not appealing that penalty with regard to what it means to the Smith. Realistically nothing. I mean, like Chase said, he's, he's got one more race left in the truck series and he's not racing for the championship. Maybe he bothers to come off the couch. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Um, I'm sure he will because he's a professional and he's under contract and everything, but realistically, it doesn't really make a huge difference for him. It's a shame to see him go out like that, but after the year he's had, which has not been good, um, he had a pretty decent start to the year, but realistically, ever since probably before North Wilkesboro, a couple weeks before North Wilkesboro, that 38 truck has not been good. They've had a couple flashes here and there, but generally that 38 truck has not been up to the speed that, I believe we've been accustomed to with them over the past few years. I don't know what happened, but either way, the results speak for themselves. And they they had a a little bit of success early in the season and then just kind of coasted on that. And that coasting came to an end quite some time ago, and their season is finally over at this point. So I'm sure Zane is probably about ready to be done with it and so is the rest of everybody else.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I think Zane is ready to move on and put uh, this last year of his truck series racing uh, in the rearview mirror. Um, uh, and it is unfortunate that this happened for him. And it, it, but it is what it is. That's all I can say. It is what it is. It happened. Um uh, now they've got to move forward. They've got, what, two more races to end up the season, and then they're going to have a different driver in that truck, and Zane is going to be moving on to the Cup Series. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out. There's really not a whole lot more to add here. Um, I'm just surprised that they tried it, knowing that uh, the other team was caught, and uh, obviously they've got pictures of it, so they noticed it during the race. And I think NASCAR is probably being uh, extra vigilant about looking for that right now, uh, as they should be. And um, I, I'm glad it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. When somebody's doing something illegal, it should be caught and it should be penalized. And uh, all of that happened. So not a lot for me to add there. Jay?
3: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like I said, the way this final part is, Mike, final half of the season here, some of it was uh, mistakes by the team. Some of it was just bad luck. Uh, I think, back. correct me if I'm wrong, was it not Zane Smith who spun out on pit road or locked it up and body-checked his own crewman? Um, was that not his team? feels like it's kind of a true X thing of just the, the string of luck they've had and that put them in a severe desperation mode. Uh, again, I'm not saying that they did this intentionally, but it would add into the story of they got one shot. That's all they got left is to, to throw everything they could at it. Um, so hopefully this doesn't tarnish Zane Smith's record. As as said, he's moving to to the cup series, looking to build with Spire Motorsports slash Trackhouse and that combination of agreement. Um, I hope the best for him as well as Front Row Motorsports. And I think... This is a case where not appealing says a lot. Whether uh, it was intentional or not, they know they aren't going to be able to fight it, even if it was a parts failure, as uh, they said with Kevin Harvick, that then your responsibility is to buy better quality parts, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh one round topic here maybe Carson Holtevar is starting his own late model program anybody want to comment on that
2: eh, good for him that's about all I got <laughs> Jay Wow
3: um, no it, it goes it goes back to what we've seen from we talked about Kyle Larson Brad Sweet Stuart Haas uh, Tony Stewart especially at this young of an age for Carson Hosovar to have that love and passion and already look into the future, not just for himself. And uh, I know when you talk about racing, investing in a race team um, or anything to do with racing, it is not an exactly a great financial investment. It is more an investment in the future of the sport and future drivers. Um, So I like it. Uh, hopefully it's one of those of we've seen some that are real successful with it. And I think Kyle Busch with KBM Motorsports, um, that it is successful for him. Or again, even if it is just kind of a side hobby, it will create opportunities. So I like it and I'm hope hopefully successful with it.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. I think it's good for Carson Hosevar that he's able to do that and uh, and I do think that racing is a passion for him, and this is a chance uh, for him to carry out that passion, if you will. Um, so I, I I think that's all a good thing for him. Um, but you're right, time tells the rest of the story as to how far he'll be able to go with it. It does worry me that he's doing it at such a young age uh, because that may or may not help him. Uh, as he builds the program and, and everything else. But who knows? Maybe it will work out for him and uh, he'll make a great success out of it and he'll be able to do what Kyle Larson did, or not Kyle, well, Kyle Larson too, but I was thinking Kyle Bush uh, in mentoring so many new drivers coming into the sport. So we need that kind of a team in NASCAR. Uh, and having a driver lead that up is always a good thing uh, because drivers want to drive for a successful driver, and Carson has certainly had a very successful year. So we'll see how it continues to play out. Uh, but thats I don't think we need to go around a second time on that one. Um, and I think there was just one other topic here, and that's Dean Thompson returning to Tricon Garage in the truck series. Any thoughts on that one, Mike? Eh, good
2: for him. <laughs> now, I, You're so opinionated. As far as, Dean, <laughs> as far as Dean Thompson going back to TriCon, I mean, somebody's got to cause the wreck in the middle of the field, so why not Dean? Where else is he going to go? Um, and the, the good thing with Dean consistently staying in the, uh, in the same truck is he won't be confused about um, what truck to blame for the wreck that he caused. In his post wreck oh, interviews, my. so we've got that going for him as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got on that one.
0: Okay, Jay,
3: way to egg him on, Sharon. You should have just left it at good for him. Um, no, this is one. <laughs> if I'm not saying he hasn't been involved in wrecks, whether or not they were of his own fault, but he was a rookie in the truck series. We've seen what he did in the ARCA series as well in the starts he got with Venturini. Um, mm-hmm. I think he is a very solid up and coming driver and I'm happy for him um, to be back as, as Mike did say of at least in the same truck and team to build on what they've been building on so far. I think he is one that will develop and we'll see more of. He has come so close to getting wins both in the truck series, having good trucks Um and as well as in the the few ARCA starts. So I look forward to his future.
0: Okay, I'm just gonna say ditto to all of that. Um I think that Dean Thompson is it's nice that he's getting this second chance and not second chance, I don't want to put it that way. A second year, which TriCon Garage is a good thing. And uh we'll see how he develops in his second year with the organization. Um Let's go ahead. Uh, It's time for us to do our roundtable to sign off, and so let's go ahead and get your thoughts about uh, um, signing off, (laughs) Mike. Yeah,
2: good for me. No, it's uh, Mike (laughs) underscore O on Twitter. Mike (laughs) double underscore O on Reddit. I'm on call for work on Thursday. I may or may not be available. Um, so I'll have to keep you posted on that. I also don't have my November schedule. I really hope I'm going to be around to talk about the race that we got coming up in Phoenix in two weeks there. Not the Phoenix is the most thrilling race, but it is the NASCAR Cup Series championship, as well as the championship for the other two races, so I really do hope I can at least talk to you all for, for some of that. I'll let you know. Look forward to talking to you next time.
0: Okay, sounds good. Jay?
3: Well, doing the uh, prison ministry I did this morning, I had a couple other words and phrases for the, uh, for the week. I'm adding to that. of eh, good for him, uh, to my list of things that I'm going to carry throughout the week. So uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I do look forward to this week uh, the preview of. we got one more race uh, for the Cup and Xfinity Series before we even set the championship four for all three series. So that'll be great on Thursday, Mike. Hopefully you can join us. I know Brian was uh, looking forward to it as well. Hopefully he doesn't have any meetings get scheduled there. Um, and then, like Mike said, of the championship uh, races, I always provide some stories. So we'll look forward to that in the final closing weeks here, unfortunately, for the NASCAR season.
0: Yes, I always look forward to having as many people as possible on our uh, last couple of shows here. Uh, we'll be reviewing Martinsville next week and then Phoenix the following week, and that's going to be it. And then, Jay, we preview Martinsville and then preview Phoenix, and that's going to be it. Uh, So we've only got a couple weeks left here uh, with Fanfare Racing Radio for the season And uh, definitely uh, looking forward to both of those races. A big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you uh, for taking time to hear what we have to say. And uh, we hope uh, you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. Uh, A shout-out to our Fan4Racing crew, Sal Segala, Mike Orzel, and Jay Huseman. You guys are all great, and I'm uh, always look forward to our hot topic sound off conversations. Uh, you guys are entertaining as well as good with your opinions. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, I, we didn't get a fantasy update. Maybe we can do that on Thursday, Jay. But uh, definitely uh, uh, looking forward I, I to don't, doing I don't know. They're going to have
2: enough time. I, I really, I don't <laughs> think it's going to be able to happen.
0: Yeah, I won't tell you who my pick was for Cup Series this, year, this week. But I, yeah, at first that's, I that's thought... What it I was
3: get gonna, for, go ahead, Jared.
0: I was going to say, at first I thought, oh, no, man, I, 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 that was a bad pick. And then all of a sudden it turned out to be good. But go ahead.
3: Well, I was just going to say that I was joking as I picked him. I was like, normally you like to pick Martin Truix, and I said I was going to steal him from you, and you said, oh, I ended up with Christopher Bell. And when it was all said and done, I was like, yeah, that's what I get for stealing your pick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I said Christopher Bell's going to ring the bell at Homestead.
3: Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. You did call that shot.
0: Yep. So... But anyway, yeah, at first, he started out pretty slow, though, but then did come around. So uh, anyway, we'll let, uh, I was happy to see him get that victory. And uh, we'll look for the fantasy update at the next uh, show on Thursday. Uh, We'll do our podcast as we usually do and put it out in the early part of the afternoon. So you can watch for that. And uh with that guys I think we're ready to call it a night here on Fan for Racing Radio.
2: Good night, everybody.
3: Yeah, have a good night.
0: <laughs> good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday.